0: Bastard, orphan, son of a whore and a Scotsman Dropped in the middle of a forgotten spot in the Caribbean By Providence, impoverished and squalor Grow up to be a hero and a scholar The $10, founding father without a father Got a lot farther by working a lot harder By being a lot smarter by being a self-starter By 14, they placed him in charge of a trading charter and every day while slaves were being slaughtered and Hello
1: all theater lovers, both out and proud and on the DL, and welcome back to Broadway Breakdown, a podcast discussing the history and legacy of American theater's most exclusive address, Broadway. This series is called The Big Move, and it is covering shows that were so successful off-Broadway, they just had to transfer to the Great White Way and try some luck over there. I am your host, Matt Koplik, the least famous and most opinionated of all the Broadway podcast hosts, and with me... Me today is a dear friend, good Judy, uh, musical maven. You might have seen him on the high seas across the country. He has worked with Natalie Joy Johnson at the Q formerly, and now who knows where Miss J Johnson. If you're nasty, Uh, Countess Luann, sure, Jennifer Holliday, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and who do we say? Oh, Mandy Gonzalez, which is a great one for what we're going to talk about today. Show that we're about to talk about. Please welcome to the podcast for the very first time. Can't believe it's taken us this long.
3: Brian. Oh hi! Oh hi! Oh, Hello! Hello! Uh, what t- is you're, happening? You're, I, keep I know. What adjusting. are you doing? I'm trying to get the mic, the pop screen, like somewhere yeah. nice. Remember That's when funny. I told you to eat
1: the mic, and you've only gotten further away from it? I'm. It's closer to me. Is it? It is. Okay, it is. if you say so. It is. I, did, I did school. You're terrible, Muriel.
3: You're, you're te- oh, I saw that. I saw that in uh, in uh, Sydney.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Any good? Mm-hmm. It's not as good as the movie. No. What, no, bu- I, no, 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 and you lot, what a bunch of cocksuckers! Yeah,
3: I'm beautiful. It's uh, it's it's fine. Um, yeah, it's like it's like if Amelie was Muriel's wedding. Oh my god, yeah, it's that tone. No, that tone. God I know. damn it, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Um. So we'll see how the audio quality is on this one. Last time we used these mics was the Rent episode with our dear Judy Adam Ellsbury. Oh, yeah. and we got. I never in my life have I gotten so many reviews in a week that were all five stars and all were like, you need to fix the sound. And I'm like, I know I, so. you should
3: have. I, I do this. I do sound. Well, I, next time, yeah. next time you'll do the sound. Girl, all right. Um, Brian, what show are we talking about today? We are talking about the Hamiltons. <laughs> Hamilton. That's how that goes, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Never. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, great.
1: (laughs) Dun 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 dun. Hamilton. Never heard of it before in a day of my life. It's
3: it's 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 this little niche ass piece. Yeah, yeah.
1: Never referenced anywhere. No, 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 never made a cent. No, came and went.
3: Dear reader. Dear Breeder. Um, I'm just going to become Julie Anderson Bridgerton right now. Uh, dear Breeder. Um, <laughs> did you say no. Dear Breeder? Dear Breeder. <laughs> well, no, there's none dear, of those listening to this. Dear um, Breeders. Yeah. yeah, no straight people listen to this podcast. No, nope, nope, no, no, no. There are some nice straight girls in Ohio. Hi. Hi. Hi, Hi Becky. Yeah. How are you? I all? have
1: a few straight female friends who've been on this podcast. They yeah. They're nice to me. They're
3: lovely. They're, they're lovely. Uh, they're out there, y'all. But dear breeder, um, I when Matt asked me to uh, finally come on the pod, um, don't give me that bullshit. It's, it's, it's uh, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. Oh lord! So um, all ninety-two years. Yep, yep. So, um, Matt asked me to do it. I'm like, great. What what obscure ass show we're gonna be talking about? He's, he and he said Hamilton. I'm like, what could we possibly say about Hamilton that has not been said? and now please tune in for the next 3 hours
1: did i tell you hamilton or did i give you you gave me a list uh, yeah i gave you a list and you yeah. and you gave me like i think you pretty much just at that point all the other stuff you could have talked about was taken so you just yeah. said, you said hamilton
3: <laughs> i was like i can i can, I can hamilton yeah. i can hamilton there out. were
1: some good options there for you so i was surprised that i was i was surprised you were like hamilton
3: yeah i mean i i, I know it I know it well. Yeah,
1: yeah. We, we all do. I was r- doing my research this week and I went, I don't need to do that much. We all know the show, so we can really just dissect <laughs> it. I was mostly trying to get a couple of factoids about sort of the gestation process yeah, yeah, yeah. on it. And I was able to do some. Uh, life's been weird the last couple of days. So in between researchers... Uh, researchers, in
3: between researches. <laughs> yeah, that was in between a couple of researchers, bleh. and he can barely walk. I know, I'm sitting down quaking in my boots. But in between researches,
1: uh, life would get in the way, yeah. and then that would make me sit down for three hours, and then I would get back to the research.
3: So mm-hmm. I have about three pages of research, as opposed to my normal 12. Great. Yeah. Great. Um that's fine. Yeah, and it's, I mean... It's basically the look, New York Times between, like, 2015 and 2017.
1: But also, like, look at these pages, Brian. Like that, that's, yeah. that's not, like... When Brian heard
3: three pages, his eyes got wide. But, like, this is children's book three pages. This is not, you know, War and Peace. However, they were also sitting on an entire book about the musical Hamilton.
1: Hamilton, The Revolution, written by
3: Lin-Manuel Miranda and Jeremy McCarter.
1: Jeremy was the drama critic for New York Magazine, I Mm -hmm. believe. That is how he met Lynn because he was a champion of In the Heights. Because Jeremy was like, you
3: know a bra was missing hip-hop. It really like he goes. Hip hop is gonna yeah. say is gonna say the Broadway musical. And yes, um, the cast of Little Abner was the drama critic at the New Yorker. Um, what was that vocal choice? I don't uh, know. Uh, it's 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 water ears. It it's it's kind of like Maya Rudolph's character in Big Mouth was doing Little Abner Oh, um, yeah. Connie the Connie. yeah yeah. I I don't, burger, I don't I wear
1: deodorant and I only take bubble baths. Bubble baths. Bath. Yeah, it's um, it's Liza Minnelli eating pussy. That's yeah. what it
0: is.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sneezing into a vagina. Yeah. Liza Minnelli. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: No,
1: that's what it is. Um
0: now, Rossi, you
3: see me? It's just... <laughs>
1: yeah. Jesus Christ, this is going to be an interesting episode. Yep. Jeremy did slay. Hip-hop mm-hmm. would save the musical, and he wasn't joking. Then he goes, sees in the Heights, and he's like, hip-hop. And so he- No, that's Liza Minnelli. Yeah. It's hip-hop. It's hip-hop. Mm-hmm. um but so then i guess they connected through that he no longer worked at new at new york magazine he became part of the artistic staff at the public theater and we will get to that in a second because that's how hamilton ended mm-hmm. about the public yeah. uh
3: Brian, yes what is your history with hamilton uh so my history with hamilton um it does i guess it does kind of loop back to heights um, mm. I was doing a random gig with Manning Gonzalez at like a, a resort in somewhere in Arizona. Yeah. It was Rob Rob Evan and Manning Gonzalez, and we were belting at corporate people. On the plane back, she played me this demo from this new musical she was doing, which was In the Heights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, this is sounds interesting, weird, cool, great. Um, went to go see Heights, loved it, loved it, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, Off-Broadway or on Broadway? On, I'm, okay. I was out of town when I was at 59 East 59th. There, yes, it was I, there. Yeah, yeah, I saw, yeah. It, I saw it there. Yeah, um, I, I, I waited. Um, so. yeah. Well, uh, the listeners I'll who listen, listen to better. the, uh, listeners who listen to the
1: Passing Strange episode will know what I thought of it, and I'll talk about it more when we do cover in the heights, which I think we, I think we are covering it. I oh, don't know. I'm covering so many shows on this season. I don't remember all of them. I thought I was doing proof. I think I'm just doing doubt. Anyway, I, fine we, line. Well, you know they're within three years of each other. It's yeah. one. It's a one-word play. Yeah. They both wrote the Walter Kerr. I'm yeah. not a total boob, yeah. but so it was okay at fifty nine. East fifty nine, and we'll mm-hmm. talk about this with Hamilton as well. Uh, there were some things that they changed for Broadway for the much better, at least in terms of like smoothness and and energy. Like Act Two really yeah. just kind of was a mess at fifty nine. Fifty nine, in my opinion, mm-hmm. and it also was a show where you watched it and you were just like, "This is not an off Broadway musical. Like they yeah. need." more money to do what they want to do yeah yeah but it was overall good
3: yeah they i know they uh they replaced breathe went in for broadway yeah it was like the my fire escape like i don't remember just, that yeah yeah. uh
1: i they benny also had like another rap in act two that they cut where he was like pleading his case to date nina oh. and it was called like that's what's up or something something like that and i just remember thinking it was so corny so they luckily cut that
3: yeah yeah good cuts um Good then so when Hamilton was like the kind of Hamilton mixtape was kind of bouncing around yeah like because that's what it was originally called exactly and they were doing I think they did a couple concert like chunks at uh, Joe's pub mm-hmm. uh, I missed that. So when they announced at the public I like snatched up a ticket instantly um, so excited and it was like you know nine months before the damn show actually happened. yeah so got myself a ticket and then um, lived my life. And then <laughs> I got back from Australia. I was doing a gig in Australia, and I was like, "Great! I am so jet lagged. I have nothing to do until my gig at like 11:30 p.m. on a Friday night. So I'm just gonna sleep out this jet lag." And I woke up from a nap, and I looked at my phone, and it said Hamilton 8 p.m., and it was 9:45. I was like, "Motherfucker!" Like no! threw my phone across the room. I slept through. Hamilton at the Public because no. I forgot I had a ticket. No! Forgot. 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 He forgot. Madonna was probably sitting in my seat texting.
1: Probably. So, oh, God. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when did you finally I see saw, her? I
3: grabbed a ticket to it in previews on Broadway. Sounds winter Yeah. Delights. Yes. Delights.
1: I saw it, I believe it was January of 2015. Mm-hmm. I... Was doing a web series back in the day that some listeners might know. It was called Baking It on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And it was the beginning, it was the launch of the series. And my friend at the time, Emily Skeggs, mm-hmm. who I'd gone to Emerson with, was going to be doing Fun Home on Broadway after uh-huh. replacing Sosha at The Public. And she agreed to come on Baking It because Fun Home had not started rehearsals yet, so she had some time. And... It was really nice and we you know we filmed and everything and then we finished and I said to her I'm like, "Oh, Emily, what are you what are you doing the rest of the evening?" And she goes, "Oh, um I have two tickets to Hamilton at the public. It was they were still in previews it was actually the first night that Javier went on cuz oh. Lynn was in the audience taking notes." Yeah. And she was like, "I can't find anyone who can go." And then she took a pause She went, "Oh, would you want to go?" I went, "Sure. Why Be- not?" Yeah, well, because like at that point all it was was just a hot ticket. Like yeah. it was, it's crazy to think that it did pretty much sell out nine months before it started. Part of it is it's the public, it's a subscriber based house. Exactly. So it's always going to be like 75% sold no matter what. But it was the next big Lynn Manuel Miranda piece. It had buzz because it sort of for the last five years was sort of bopping around in different, as you said, different concert venues, yeah. Joe's Pub. Uh, they did a big one with Lincoln Center, which I'll, I'll talk about, uh, Vassar. So like people in the industry had heard good things about it. Mm -hmm. So there was interest and there were limited seats, but not a lot of people had seen it yet. And so I got to go with her at one of those previews and it was, I felt very fancy because there were a couple of people there who were in the know about Fun Home and recognized Emily Mm -hmm. and like, Oh, we're so excited to see it in the round. And she's like, it's going to be great. And it was, uh, (laughs) and Lynn sat like two rows behind us and then we saw it and I thought it was nice. And then, It blew up pretty quickly after that. Yeah. Uh, Not to the extent of when it moved to Broadway, but definitely for off-Broadway, it was, like, very big. And my family all asked, like, if I knew how to help them get – well, not all my family. Like, my grandmother and my mom and my dad were all, like – you know ways like to get tickets i said well they're they will extend but it's going to be really difficult and i think they did like three or four different extensions it went, yeah it was supposed to go from january to march and it ended up closing
3: at the end of may yeah
1: and pretty much went straight to broadway after yeah the they
3: opened like end of june i think they started previews you started
1: previews at yeah end of june or early july and then yeah. they opened i think like first week of august something yeah. like that so it was a very quick turnover uh comparable to uh chorus line and rent where it was mm-hmm. just like it was like a month go yeah and again when i saw it at uh the public one of my big notes on it was like oh this is gonna be so good on a broadway stage because Mm -hmm. this whatever they fucking claim and i don't buy it for a second that show was designed and staged for a broadway stage oh
3: absolutely because
1: the newman is definitely is the largest stage at the public but it's comparable to like not even like the Jacobs theater, like slightly larger than the booth stage, I would say. And so with that set and that dancing, like I, I feel like I might've seen a couple people like bump into each other, but it was cramped for sure. And
3: because they still did double turntable at the public. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I remember thinking to myself like, Oh, when this is on another, a bigger stage, this will Mm -hmm. blossom, which it did. uh, And when they announced the transfer, I told my, grandmother and my mom i said i can get us tickets i need a budget mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh we will we will get them and then i got my dad a ticket as well so we got tickets we were third row center mes for the last preview oh nice and then i got my dad a ticket for on the same seat for the first performance after they opened yeah and my dad was able to use that as cachet for a while <laughs> i'm gonna tell this story quickly and then we'll continue with our with our lives but when he So my dad lives out in Los Angeles, and he belongs to this golf club, which is filled to the brim with, like, Hollywood people. Because mm-hmm. my dad used to sort of be in the business. So a lot of actors and directors and producers and agents and whatnot. And my dad is retired and is well-liked, but, like, is not a famous person. So at this club, there are some people who like him because he's a good conversationalist when playing golf. But other people who, like, don't give him the time of day because he's not a famous dude. uh, And Hamilton had been out for about a month. Mm-hmm on Broadway it, it was like end of August. And my dad called me up to tell me how he was playing golf with these two guys. And I think one was an agent, one was a producer and the producer knew my dad and liked him. And the agent was like very, you know, uh, very classist. And they were talking about, you know, Oh, the agent's going to New York soon. And he's, he's like, yeah, we're going, uh, we're going in like two months. And he goes, and we're seeing Hamilton saying like very whoo hoo who. And my dad goes, Oh, it, you'll love it. And, <laughs> The agent just looked at my dad. He's like, y- you saw it? He's like, yeah, I saw it the night after it opened. So what? And it was one of those moments for him where he was like, I felt so fucking baller <laughs> to tell this piece of shit. Uh, have you ever watched Mad Men?
3: I haven't.
1: Okay. There's a scene in Mad Men because it's the sixties, right? Yeah. And to quote Carrie Fisher in when Harry met Sally restaurants were to people in the eighties, what theater was to people in the sixties. Yeah. And, so, there's a lot of talk about whatever Broadway shows are going on because, you know, that's mm-hmm. sort of the classy thing. And it's how you know who's gotten in based off of like who's got seats to the big thing. Yeah. And John Ham is having dinner with a client's wife who he will be fucking later. And an old flame walks by with her now husband and talks to them. And it's all very tense. And. Uh, there's like a awkward moment. And then the husband says, oh, well, we better get going if we don't want to miss the curtain. And he looks very proudly. He goes, we have seats where funny thing happened on the way to the forum. And the woman, Bobby, that John Hammers with, she goes, oh, it's wonderful. And <laughs> it's that thing where the only thing more impressive than having tickets to the
3: thing is having seen it first. Yeah. Oh, I try to see literally everything first. I yeah. will go... To any sort of like, hey, I'll just fly to some random ass state where something's trying out to be like. I thought for I thought out of town. They really yeah. need to work on that.
1: Yeah, where were you? <laughs> where were you when Hamilton when was, Jonathan
3: Groff started spitting on people? Um, were you
1: at his birth? That's yeah. just that's what he do for someone who's not a dumb top. He really does love spitting on people.
3: I'm not mad.
1: No, I'm not mad about it at all. Yeah. I I said get me wet, daddy, and he did it. But where were you the day that Hamilton was deemed overrated?
3: Oh yeah. I mean I think it was deemed overrated during the transfer already. There was already like that weird backlash to the like the yeah. amount the number of inches of newsprint the Times devoted to it.
1: Yeah. And then backlash to the backlash. Yeah. You know who was super anti Hamilton was Michael Riedel.
3: Oh, yeah.
1: Well, he just wanted to knock them down a peg. Of course. Yeah. Because... He does that. Yeah. And he always likes to be the contrarian, and sometimes he just makes shit up. But yeah. when they announced that they were transferring, do you remember how they did it? No. They did it in the lobby of the public, and they made it a really big press event with Lynn, like, standing on the main desk, doing a big, like, we're moving to Broadway, and photographs to everyone, all this stuff. And you better bet... You're gay, but the Michael Riedel wrote an article about it and he goes, oh, I guess this is national celebratory news that you needed to do such a press conference with like confetti and standing on top of your desk. Like how fucking conceited are you all?
3: It's in the lobby of the public. They didn't like take out the New York Stock Exchange. Like, what the I
1: know heck? I'm sort of halfway where it's like, listen. It was an exciting announcement. They were, and business-wise, they were doing their part to, like, drum up interest for the transfer. Yeah. There were people who were entirely convinced that it wasn't going to – that the buzz wasn't going to transfer to Broadway, that, like, it would have a solid three-year run, like, in the Heights and then mm-hmm. die out. Because, yeah. like, well, it's one thing to be 200 seats at the public, but to charge money – so much money for a Broadway theater, we have to fill out, you know, eight times the amount of seats. Like, good luck to you. Yeah. Uh, but no, like it pretty much out the gate was huge because I remember I think they took in like four million dollars on their very first day at the box yeah. office, something like 30 million dollars in advance by the time they opened first musical first probably showed have like a 50 million dollar advance, yeah. which I do believe music man eventually usurped only because they were selling like $900 seats. Exactly. Yeah. I
3: mean, they could just sell the premium seats for four performances and they're like, look, we have an $80 million advance.
1: Yep. Mu- I mean, music, man, if you look at I mean, the roses,
3: hats, the merch is a hundred thousand dollars for a
1: I've only bought merch to two shows in the last six years. And you're wearing, I'm wearing one of them right now. A Kimberly Akimbo hoodie. Yes. So everyone should know what my thoughts are going to be when we recorded that bonus episode later.
3: Oh, are you going to do it? Oh, that's yeah.
1: Well, because it's it's a transfer and it's a Janine Tesori. And so we did. We had the Tesori hour. So now we got it. We got to do both. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And (laughs) I did write a a review of it on Instagram. It was well liked. My daddy said that it made him weep. Oh, yeah. Which is nice. Father is a sensitive soul. He is. He weeps in my reviews and
3: he loves Amos Behaven. But this is to say this we're talking a lot about your dad do we need to do we need to like do you need to lie down <laughs>
1: is this a couch
3: the, is couch? the is this a couch this uh how do you say couch in french now i can't remember excuse, excuse yeah. you with your false a yeah sorry but, um, look at you go but um <laughs> no we're talking about surrealist french painters And Hamilton, and Hamilton.
1: Am I okay? No. Is it because I'm talking about my dad? No. No. But so (laughs) Hamilton. I just remember there was that sort of backlash to the uh, to it, then the backlash to the backlash. But it was it wasn't so much like people were anti. Everyone was like, "Is it really that good?" Yeah. And then I remember Ben Brantley's review for Broadway was like, "Yes, it is that good." Yeah. He He told people to put a mortgage on their houses possibly sell their children <laughs> and <laughs> and that was enough for them yep. there, sometimes and there
3: you're... isn't even a blonde lady in it so love i don't it. know how ben liked it
1: everyone makes that joke with him it's weird, it's he, weird. he does do you like...
3: remember the wicked i mean you were four but do you remember the wicked review yeah i do it was it was a love letter to chano and nothing else yeah, exactly it was like and there's this green girl in it. Whatever. Anyway, Kristen Chenoweth is a revelation, you guys.
1: Well, I remember his review for Wicked ended with Kristen Chenoweth gives you hope for the future of musical theater. Wicked does not.
2: Yeah.
3: In his
1: defense, Wicked has not given us hope for the future of musical theater because a lot of the shows that tried to imitate it have not been very good. Sure.
0: There's nothing rich folks love more than going downtown and slumming it with the poor... They pull up in their carriages and gawk at the students in the common just to watch them talk. Take Philip Skyler, the man is loaded. Uh oh, but little does he know that his daughters Peggy, Angelica, Eliza in the city just to watch all the guys. Work, work. Angelica, work, work. Eliza, and work, Peggy, work. the
2: sisters. Angelica, Peggy,
0: Eliza.
1: That's ninety-year-old waffles. That, that is, is a waffle. amazing. Oh, look at this bacon. Are oh, they did turkey bacon? Yeah, in true. Uh, breakdown fashion. I will now be eating on the pod. That. <laughs>
3: Thank you. My mom just did a yes. Oh my god, I thought, I I. I, sure, I, I get you a No, I'm fine. Thanks, mom. My mom, bought beer Sure, and I'll have a beer later. Thank you. Now you're okay. I'm I'm good. He Do you drink. want one now? No. Um, this is just beer and turkey bacon. Yeah.
1: Gosh, sometimes it helps.
3: Is that a is that a like a a, a ceramic syrup jug? Sure is. We fancy cunt. God damn it, I I, I like people who yeah. who have things. Oh, nice things. Oh, um, nice. Sometimes yeah. it helps to have a bad day because then your mommy takes care of you. Exactly. Your mom. Your mommy pours some syrup in a ceramic container, especially she, for.
1: She did. It's a it's a family yeah. recipe.
3: Yeah, yeah. By the taking the uh, old Aunt Jemima slash Pearl River Milling Company syrup and putting it in a very fancy thing. Oh, we're
1: getting political now. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. Getting political. Yeah. Um, so did the waffle hold up or did it get soggy? It's soggy for sure. There's I know, a- You need to put it in an air fryer after it gets yeah. delivered. I love a waffle, so I'm not going to, you know. Fuck well, I've that. heard you like to be waffled. I don't even, that doesn't even mean anything. <laughs> of course it doesn't mean anything how do you think how do you you can like you can waffle one can waffle how do you
1: think urban dictionary terms become urban dictionary terms someone says something and then just gives you a meaning and it never had to exist before that's how words become words i mean
3: (laughs) it's we're talking now the, the etymology of uh oh god you're gonna ruin the waffle um yeah, so there was one gig that I was doing. I don't know why we decided to Urban Dictionary everything, just turn everything that we said into an Urban Dictionary definition. Mm-hmm. And then we had to like figure out why it was filthy. And this particular boat had some really delicious warm cookies where if you t- timed it right, you get a warm cookie. And I am finishing a gig. I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go get a warm cookie. And they're like, okay, what is the warm cookie? And I was like, hang on, hang on. Okay, you take a roll of Pillsbury uh, cookie dough. And you shove it into someone, and then you eat it out of them, and that is the warm cookie. God damn it. You're welcome. And I'm about to fucking eat <laughs> for the first time all day. Why haven't you eaten? I know you're sad inside, but, you know, That's why. I have snacks.
1: It's not like, I, no, it's not by choice. Just, there are certain kinds of anxiety that just, like, makes your stomach nauseous oh. all day long. Yeah. So it's just like, the idea of eating was so unappetizing. It still is, but I'm able to put something in my mouth and not barf, so... I'm, I'm Irish. We don't have that. You don't have anxiety a, stomach? Like, anxiety, you know, I'm, Hebraic. Actually, I'm a New York stomach. Jew baby. Exactly. All, a, of, all of our turmoil settles in our stomach. Yeah,
3: I'm Chicago Irish, so we just suppress everything. Yeah. It's fine.
1: Um, but, you know who doesn't suppress anything? Alexander Hamilton. Dun, Alexander. Dun,
3: dun,
0: dun. Dun, dun, dun.
1: Which, as I was doing my research, mm-hmm. Lynn was like, fun fact, that beginning to the title song, it's meant to be the melodic version of a door squeaking closed, and I'm like, but why? It's yeah, I didn't, I never understood the door thing. I think he just liked how it sounded yeah. and inspired. I'm like, I mean, the the music is great, yeah, and so I'm happy for what it led to, but I'm like, why a door?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the brilliance of that opening, that, 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 that opening two bars, yeah, um, because I listened last night. Um, he prepared. Is, the I got halfway through uh, Aaron Burser, and then I had to go to bed. Um, so, yeah. So I'm very prepared to talk about the first six minutes of Hamilton. Fantastic. Um, it's yeah. only 12. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, But the brilliance of that first, like, it's it's all Alex Lacamoire. It's all in the orchestration of it. Because mm-hmm. you have, like, the heaviness of the dun, 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 dun. Uh, and then over the string, so you're getting, like... You're getting the record scratch vibe over it. So you are getting the hip hop and the classic all together.
1: Yeah, it does. I will say the um, arrangements, orchestrations for this show are Mm -hmm. brilliant. Because it it is very well blended. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes it'll flip completely into one genre and then go into another one. Sometimes it's like three different genres combined. Yeah. And part of it is Lin's writing. But they are very they are very honest in the book in Hamilton, the Revolution, mm-hmm. that a lot of
3: the stuff that people really love about the score is Alex Lacamore. yeah, I mean, Lynn is a good songwriter, yeah, um as a composer composer, eh I mean, he doesn't have a broad language
1: and and that's not being rude. if you ever not at listen all. if you listen to demos of Lynn's songs where he's the one singing it, which also first of all, he does not have the widest of ranges, no. But so, like, the very basic song itself is not always as impressive as it becomes. Yeah. Because once you add a, an actor to it who has a larger range mm-hmm. and you have Alex Lacamoire who understands uh, different instruments and vocal types and whatnot, it becomes this whole other thing, which we will get to when we talk about royalties yeah. later on. Yep. Uh,
3: yeah, the soundscape of the show is really smart and really well done, and it feels big considering how small that band is. Yeah, it's not huge at all.
1: There's a lot that's pre-recorded too.
3: Yeah, a lot of it is done through Ableton, which is a you know kind of program that you know you're triggering click tracks and stuff that's pre-recorded and mm-hmm. like some of the like hip hop loops and stuff like that. So all that's being triggered, uh, you know, in in the band in real time. But it's it thickens the sound of it and makes it feel like a lot of it was recorded in a studio. Yeah, which is fantastic.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, my one complaint about the cast album is that I wish that the drum beat was deeper, because it's it's a deeper drum on Broadway. That's always the case, though, is the drum on a Broadway stage is is going to be darker and deeper than it is in the yeah. cast recording. It's something that um, Ellsbury and I always talk about with that wild party recording. We just wish that it was uh, the lacusa. Yes, yeah, the good one. Yeah. We wish that it wasn't such like a light, like whatever it's Timpani or whatever it is
3: yeah i mean a lot of times especially like when you're mixing for a broadway cast album like mm-hmm. it's gonna be vocal forward and then you're not gonna get any of the impact that you'd feel in the theater yeah um of the depth of it the low end always gets killed um hamilton is mixed much stronger than most cast mm-hmm. albums because um, they oh, yeah. did kind of record it they kind of modeled it after how they recorded the rent album really like they
1: how they record the Rent album?
3: I mean, they recorded the Rent album like a rock album. Mm. They didn't do the, like, company, like, everyone's just in the room. and We're just going to get this take. Like, it, they recorded, like, they recorded the instrumentation entirely separately, really focused on that, got the band mix in, and then, like, recorded the vocals like a zillion takes. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of... Because they knew that was going to sell like a pop album.
1: Yeah, it's true. And, and it, it
3: did. And the Hamilton album sold again like a pop album yeah
1: that is really something that's interesting to think about connecting the two because even though rent recorded that way i really feel like it didn't
3: um create a trend or not an immediate trend in cast recording too expensive you can't do that if it's not going to sell a million copies hamilton uh uh, has it gone double platinum yet i don't know but i feel
1: like there are a lot of cast recordings now that do have a similar blend
3: a lot, and mix and sound. If that makes sense, maybe maybe they're not yeah. all recorded
1: the same exact way, but maybe I feel like they're trying to capture a yeah. similar blend.
3: Wicked did that, you know. They did uh, they did the instrumental tracks separately, mm. um, but I mean, so many cast albums sound like. I don't, there was a weird period where they just got so dry. Yeah, drowsy chaperone, like. You basically, the microphone is in Sutton's nasal passage, it's yeah. so dry, there's no breath on it, there's no sort of space. And like Hamilton feels like an album that you can put on headphones and listen to and mm-hmm. get an awareness of what it feels like in the theater. But you're it's not pretending you're in the theater, no, it's not
1: a theatrical sounding album. Yeah. Nobody is, I mean, no, nobody is giving a theatrical performance. They are basically trying to channel the energy they have on stage into a studio. So everything is tempered. Yeah. it's You don't feel like anything is muted, but it is more intimate. And, yeah. Well, I mean, well, speaking of the La a Wild Party, if you ever watch a video of what Tony Collette did on stage, as opposed to listening to her dialogue on the album, <laughs> yeah. very different yep. vocal types. Yep. She is aware she is on an album, and she translates... Uh, her performance to that medium and it's
3: fucking brilliant anyway which is fascinating considering like she didn't do that like this no she's something that she was well versed in
1: no she was just a smart cookie still is yeah she's motherfucking tony collette yeah Uh, come back to broadway baby uh what was something
3: that really struck you about hamilton when you first saw it on stage when i first saw it on stage i was shocked by and this is something that actually a lot of people that i talked to who saw it um had the opposite experience so much – because I didn't listen – I think the album was – I can't remember if the album had just come out or was about to come out when I saw it. You
1: saw it in previews on Broadway? Yeah. It so had not come out It had not come out. Yeah. they. I believe they were record, They were recording it as they began previews. Exactly. And it was – it opened – the album came out like pretty much a month after it opened. Yeah.
3: Um. Good. So <laughs> I, I refused to listen to anything before sure. I went in. I was shocked at how clear the text was. Mm. I understood – Almost every word. And I remember when I listened back to the album once I got it, so much of it had registered. Um, And as a history geek, I was shocked by how clear the storytelling was. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I didn't read the Chernow bio until after I knew the show, but... I mean I knew I knew a lot of that history already. So. I have that behind you. I yeah, still have I yet to it. I've I've yet to read it. Oh it's great. I hear. So that's what I hear. I yeah. just it's such a big book. It's I love it. I love a big book. I love a big oh, book. So does
1: Lynn apparently. So it's so big. Yeah. That's what attracted Lynn to it. He was like, Oh, look how big that book yeah, is Yeah, I'm just
3: gonna sit here in the West Indies and read this fucking book. Yeah. Um, West Indies
1: or Mexico, one of the two.
3: Oh, you might have been. Yeah. I think it's Mexico. Yeah yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. We everyone knows the story. Yeah, he was on vacation slash his honeymoon, I believe, while uh no no, no they were just on vacation one yeah maybe just vacation yeah while doing in the heights the, his first year in in the heights because he was in that for a, a little bit he yeah he didn't do the whole run but he did a Almost. good a good chunk of it yeah. yeah and then did it on tour for a little bit too yep yeah. but he was on I think his first vacation while in in the heights and they went to Mexico and at the airport he was like I need something to read. And he saw the Alexander Hamilton bio and he goes, huh, I know that he died in a duel and he's on the $10 bill. Let's see what this is about. And he pretty much devoured it on his entire vacay. Mm-hmm. He uh, was messaging with Tommy Kale about In the Heights and he was like, reading the Alexander Hamilton book. Pretty good. And <laughs> yeah. he, this will
3: now be the next 28 years of your life. <laughs> Absolutely. This will be what you're known for, bitch. Mm-hmm. Uh
1: The other thing on this vacation, if the timeline is correct, because he one of the first songs he wrote was actually you'll be back. Yeah. And he got the title from Hugh Laurie at a bar, and so I'm like, I'm, I think he actually wrote the lyrics for "You'll Be Back" while on vacation. So I was like, was Hugh Laurie at this resort? Could be. I mean, it's it's possible. Just I would have preferred it if they were like, oh, he saw Hugh Laurie also at the resort and he gave him the title for "You'll Be Back" as opposed to just at a bar. I'm like, yeah, come on, guys, just keep it in keep it in mind.
3: Yeah, so many things are happening in Cancun. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Scissoring with Lynn and Hugh. Yeah. Do you know how the title came about, though? No. Was, it was just,
1: he was telling Hugh his idea for Hamilton, which it was supposed to be a concept album. That, yeah. was the, that was the plan. It was like a hip-hop concept album. It wasn't originally planned to be a musical. And so he had all these ideas for songs, and one of the first ones that became fully formed was the uh, George the Third song.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when he told Hugh Laurie that he was writing this song about George singing to the colonies as sort of a British breakup song, Hugh Laurie just waved his finger and went, "Mm, you'll be back. Mm -hmm. And
3: Lynn was like,
0: that's the title.
3: Yep. Yeah. And it is brilliant. That song is so well done. It is. Um, I wish you had seen Ryan Darcy James do it at the public. I know. I know. I've since listened to it. Jay Groff was
1: great, but there was something about this, this cast of, you know, not to be disparaging, but like mostly younger talent, mm. not some of the musical theater, but not really giving musical theater sounding performances. Yeah. Much more pop, hip hop styled musical theater, and then Brian Darcy James coming out, stodgy, over forty, and singing purely musical theater sound. Uh-huh. It was like such a contrast. You're like, yeah, old ways, new way. Yeah, and Jay Groff was great, but there was something about the pop sounding of his voice where it. Made the whole thing just one big kind of uh, yeah pop wash yeah exactly and so I missed that that distinction yeah
3: yeah I wish I'd seen him do it um yeah, God was, God was like, he funny I'm like did I ever see him do it I don't think I did
1: he did do it on Broadway for a second though he
3: did I don't think I did because I think I got two Groffles and one um uh oh 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 um. Rory, Rory, thank okay. you, okay, thank you.
1: Because it was it on Broadway, it was Groffles. Reynolds came in for a second, yeah, uh, and then Groffles came back to do the pro shot, yeah, and then I believe uh, that
3: was Brian did he go in before he, Rory?
1: I think Rory did it next because Brian was in some like a uh, was in uh, something Rotten at the time. That's part yeah. of was part of the why he couldn't finish the public extensions, yeah, and he was in something Rotten. From tr- oh actually no you know what now that I'm thinking about it it might have been Brian yeah because yeah. by the time that the pro shot happened uh something Ron had been open for over a year so he probably left yeah and yeah. did and did Hamilton and then I think it was Rory and then uh Taron Killiam yeah and then Ewan Morton I yeah. believe with like yeah. some other randoms sprinkled in
3: yeah did Ewan do the tour maybe. Uh, Alex- no, no. Alexander Gemignani did. Yeah, it's Alex Gemignani. Well, yeah, he did like, Chicago. Yeah, I saw, I saw him do it. I bet he was good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he was fantastic. He has surprised me in later years because I
1: saw him in the the Les Mis, the Shrunken Les yeah. Mis, yeah. which which no one really The twenty two year old Jean Valjean. Yeah, the yeah. pingiest Valjean. I mean, no one really came off great in that revival. But I feel like there was one I don't other. No, I
3: think Daphne Rubin-Vega was glorious.
1: We she's already had her moment in the Rent episode. We've talked about that. We don't blame her for being cast, Girl, and we it, don't blame her for uh, not being able to convince the creative team to change the keys for her. Say it. no,
3: they dropped uh, "Dream to Dream" a half step. Did they drop Fontaine's death? No, they did not. They should they have not. They did not drop. You let your father away. Anyway. Like, oh, my big one is
1: and tell her that I love her and I'll see her when I
3: wake. Look, I. I will accept that choice, although I love nothing she is more than a Randy Graf scream belt death. Oh fuck!
1: her Fontaine was like my last breath, Go make it count. Yeah, I yeah. mean the the go per- for
3: that fucking Tony,
1: the best which she did not get for I that know. wasn't even nominated. Nope, shame. Well, Cunzi was, and yeah. we allow we allow Q&Z to get the nod, nah, but I, I mean the perfect one is is Henshaw. In the concert, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. It's a perfect just balance. You yeah. Know? It's great. It's They're, beautiful. It's, it's, she's dying. It sounds it.
3: I care. Uh, Debbie Byrne, who was the Australian opera singer who does it on the uh, symphonic recording, mm-hmm. fully like head legit flip, but for some reason seems, see how when I wake, I'm like, goo? Way goo? No. Uh-huh. No, bitch.
1: Well, it's like Babs in Funny Girl with Cornette Band. Yeah. Silver. Uh Wa-wa-mu-la. La. Like the way it feels on a tongue. Gay people. Gay people. This has been so gay already, and mm. we haven't even really discussed any song in full. Nope. Um, let's go back to the opening for a second. Actually, yeah. wait, before we do that, mm-hmm. we have to take a break. Oh great. Billy, i like to with
3: you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow collar.
2: Yeah. You're the top.
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. prohibited by law. See terms
1: and conditions. 18 plus. Back to the opening number.
3: And we're back. This opening song. We talk about the- There are so many quotes in this show. Yeah. Well, like... so
1: this is the song that kind of started it all, though. Because yeah. this is the first song to get publicly shown.
3: At the White House.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lynn was invited by the Obamas to sing, perform something from In the Heights because it was part of their initiative to really showcase- America's artists, Mm -hmm. which I always appreciated. But Lynn decided to do the opening song of the Hamilton Mm mixtape, which was still supposed to be a concept album at the time, although I don't remember how he worded it exactly. Just that he was writing a hip hop thing about the American he thinks best resembles, uh, embodies hip hop, Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton. And then he goes, you laugh. Mm hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and he does the whole thing as a as a big sung monologue, and it originally was supposed to be from the perspective of Burr. The mm-hmm. whole thing, and then as they were developing it for nostalgia, they went, "I really think we should have the entire casting snippets of it." So yeah. there, it's mostly the same song as we
3: know it. If you watch the original couple video, lyrics. couple yeah. lyric changes, and sometimes it's like a tweak of a word. We were waiting in the weeds for you. I think was the original. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um yeah, I I also am fascinated by the fact that like that was at a basically a, a White House poetry read. Yeah. Which I'm like, that must have been the most boring night of everyone's life and then that happens. Yeah. Well
1: I think things like James Earl Jones did a poem, things like that, and then you get Lynn coming in and be like, Snap your fingers.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Alex is gonna play the on this two hundred and eighty year old piano. Like,
1: <laughs> and now for something we hope you really, really don't like. like.
3: Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's that makes me so happy. And like <laughs> Mich- Michelle just like is like, oh, thank fucking god.
1: Yeah, yeah. She's snapping, and then uh, Barack is just sitting there with his hand on his chin, being like, huh. Yeah. Interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He talks about how the sort of influence of this song comes from Sweeney Todd, which makes sense, especially because they then did this song at the Easter bonnet, mm-hmm. where they did the whole plot of Sweeney Todd to the song Alexander Hamilton.
3: Yep. Yep. yep.
1: So it's it's definitely in there and yeah, I mean I, what do you think about this song in terms of how it opens the show? Do you think it's effective as an opener? Do you think it's what what what
3: do you think? I mean, I think it's incredibly effective. It does I mean, it does take the first like 40 Fifty pages of the bio. and yeah. It's like, here, it's a four-minute song. Good yep. luck. Um, follow along if you will. Um, but I think what really makes it land is the choreography. Mm. The way that Andy storytells through the choreography makes this onslaught of words kind of register more fully. Um, which is what good choreography should do. And, um, and doesn't always. No! And no. I
1: would maybe say Not even always in Hamilton. No, sure. I have one major complaint about the Broadway production of Hamilton. It's that I do think it is sometimes overstaged slash choreographed.
3: Sure, but I feel like the moment that is, you know, the most overstaged is so effective that I'm too delighted to care.
1: Sure. We'll get to the moment that I think is is too much. I'm, I'm assuming it's the same moment.
3: Go on! possibly yeah
1: i'll give you a hint it, it is an act two.
3: Oh, maybe not then maybe not yeah i
1: mean there are other times where i'm just like that's a lot of choreo but it's effective sure sure uh this is a moment where i'm like oh no that the ensemble should not be here right now but oh okay yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I got you um i remember thinking at the public i still thought it on broadway i still think it today it's not that it's a that it's a flaw it is a very strong opening number and you mm-hmm. know it does all the things it needs to do but you know my shot is really just like such an epic yeah Song that I remember at the public at intermission, we all were like, "That second song was better than the first one, right?" Like, and and which is really kind of a blessing. It's mm-hmm. it's it's great luck to have like a really strong opening and then an even better second yeah. song. But at the time, I remember a lot of us were like, "Should my shot be the opening number?" Like, it's it was yeah, such if it just, felt felt
3: so like, but cow it is. Um, and there is look, there is one moment in the opening number that I think is absolutely unforgivable Forgivably bad oh um and it's lynn's first line it it, it's for a show that has such clear and well written rhymes Mm -hmm. to to go alexander hamilton my name is alexander hamilton there's a million things i haven't done but just like oh yeah oh uh, that doesn't rhyme
1: you have to really force the Hamilton you have to Hamilton yes but they Allen don't there, say his name that way throughout no. any of the rest just of the show. for the opening it's
3: fully and just in that line yeah Um, and he kind of doesn't do it and it's just such a very fully nobody in all of Oz no wizard that there is our waz yeah um, where they make them say waz because otherwise it doesn't rhyme yeah waz oof, oof. yeah it, it kills my soul just a little bit especially because Lynn also just totally misses the, the note Yeah, there's a million things I haven't done. I'm like, well,
1: and he said that the melody line for Alexander Hamilton comes from the fact that like every time he would just hear the name, that's how he would sort of say to himself, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, And like, yeah, no, it it fits. It's a very melodic name. But yeah, listen, Lynn will be the first one to tell you he's not the world's best singer. No, 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 no. No, and it's and it's. I thought that's, a, I also, I remember seeing, when I finally saw the show on Broadway, I was like, oh, someone took a voice lesson because yeah. there was a greater heft to his voice in, when he did In the Heights. But yeah, like, for something like that, that is a very precise melody, uh, that is the name of the show and our mm-hmm. protagonist, it helps to have someone yeah. who's really hitting damn
3: notes. Well, and even on the album, when it's like, honey, do it again. Yeah. Like, if you can't adjust it in Melodyne and, like, fix the damn, like, auto-tune it and Million, have, there's a million things I haven't done. Yeah, but it's probably like million things I haven't done. Yeah, he like kind of talks it off yeah. the ledge. I
1: don't know. Maybe they're like, it's real. It's 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 human. It's real. Yeah.
3: It's raw, baby. Yeah, the number of times I've said that in the studio and then instantly regretted my choice when I get the album back. Yeah, yeah happens a lot. Happens all the time. Yeah. The life of an artiste. Yeah. yeah.
1: one thing about the Hamilton the Revolution book that gets my goat a little bit and it's the same thing with the producers how we did it book mm-hmm. are you familiar with that one yeah both books are made because when they when the shows came out it was collectively collectively agreed Oh wow, everything about this is perfect. How did it happen? Mm-hmm. And everyone involved is like, "Well, let us tell you." And so every chapter is like, "Here's how it could have gone wrong, but here's how they ultimately saw the error of their ways and did the perfect choice." Yeah. And everything is just sort of always like I mean, and again, like they're trying to sell the book about a show that, you know, it's a love letter to. So, of course, everything about it's going to be a love letter, but it doesn't always feel objective when yeah. like they're talking about the set of how like it could feel like a nightclub the way that it's lit and and like, isn't that wonderful? And it's like kind of, yeah, but also like maybe that's not as effective for everybody. yeah, but and and you know, I think the set is very effective, but I think what makes it so effective to me is less the fact that it feels modern and more that it's sort of, I don't know
3: is very uh, amenable to everything that the show needs it to be. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I feel the same way when I'm reading uh, the complete aspects of love. Um, which is the version of that book that came out after that? Yeah, but all they the did book... that for
1: aspects of love. Yes, because it they... was my
3: first Broadway show. Um,
1: and at the time, were you like, "Oh, this is perfect"?
3: Yes. And then I saw the tour where they like stripped back the set and like made mm-hmm. it all very atmospheric because yeah. they couldn't afford to tour that show sure. because the show was. Uh... Not well received. No, it was Um, not. And I furiously went home in my, you know, twelve-year-old brain. I was like, "This is bullshit." They cut the set. Like, no. And and I basically restaged the production in notes in my bedroom.
2: Yeah,
1: that's that's what we all did as children.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, I love the self-congratulatory, like deep exploration book, especially when it's like of a show that didn't go. I have the, uh, uh, oh god. Sunset Boulevard from screen to stage, oh, okay. which was done after the London production before everything went to shit. Mm-hmm. So it, like, ends right after it opens in London with Patty and Kevin Anderson. Oh, jeez! And then it's like, oh, 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 you have no idea what's going to happen.
1: <laughs> you Oh, you poor, stupid little baby. You have yep. no idea. Yep. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. yeah, there's a book uh, about screen to stage and stage to screen adaptations, mm-hmm. and they do one on Sunset Boulevard. And it's pretty... Uh, honest about the show's uh, reception as well as what the author thinks of the show oh which is similar to how no. i feel i had a listener message me today actually because he just listened to the sunset boulevard episode of this podcast oh. uh and i don't remember a damn thing i said on it but apparently i described <laughs> i described that score the the um the range of that score as tiramisu filled with broken glass
3: <laughs> jesus hamilton hamilton <laughs> Uh,
1: well so okay act two act two uh, well, so we don't have to go like song by song we really can go all over the place sure, sure. so uh, we've talked about the opening we've hinted at you'll be back what is your mm-hmm. ultimate favorite song in Hamilton Satisfied never heard of her
3: yeah talk to me about it What what is it set the scene um so uh, um set the scene in a, uh, here's, here's what satisfied is. If you've never heard of satisfied. Well, yes.
1: We, yeah. Okay. I talked about this on the fucking urine episode. Cause okay. Mark Tuminelli got so annoyed with having to try to explain the plot of urine town. He basically yeah. stopped and said, go on YouTube and watch the bootleg. Then come back and listen to this episode. <laughs> and I said, Marcus
2: mm-hmm.
1: Tuminellius, I once had to host a Q and a with Hamilton actors for this corporate event. And mm-hmm. the person who facilitated the thing asked me on the sly when you get a moment, could you explain what Hamilton is in case there's anyone here who doesn't know it? And I thought to myself, you guys have a Hamilton event, and some people here don't know it. Like it's such a it's such a specific thing to ask yeah. for. You would assume that peop- that it was asked for because everyone knew it. But so now I go by the bylines of, of course everyone who's listening to this podcast knows Hamilton. Yes. But on the off chance that someone has forgotten or they've taken this chance to be like, I don't want to know anything about it till I see it live, and sure. they're sticking to their guns like you did. Sure.
3: Set the and scene. So instead, they will listen to a seven-hour podcast with two homosexuals going off in K-holes talking about not the show. Don't um, tempt me with a good time. <laughs> yep, yep. There's still some bacon left. So, um, Satisfied is a number, uh, about you know, almost halfway through Act 1, yeah. in which uh, Angelica, uh, the Skylar sister whom, spoiler alert, hemp ha- Hamilton does not end up marrying. No. Um, Sees him and is like, oh, oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I could do that. Um, And then selflessly decides to let her sister bang him instead. And it's all told as a toast at the wedding. um, And then the entire stage revolves backwards.
1: Well, because we've seen the whole story play out from Eliza's perspective and helpless. I am not here for this Philippa Sue erasure. No. And... We get the happy ending. It's a nice little song song. And as Angelica gives her toast, as Lizzie said, she said, satisfied. And that's the trigger word. And rewind. 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 Which,
3: rewind and it yeah.
1: does. Yeah. Fun fact. When I was touring the country in mm-hmm. theater works as We the People, our sole girl in the cast had an audition for a swing in Hamilton at the Public. Oh. Because after... Uh, fun home at the public the public didn't used to have understudies no. because the sh- runs were so short and then uh with fun home there was a case where uh, a performer couldn't go on due to an anxiety attack i believe and they had to cancel the show and spielberg was in the audience and they're like fuck so they hired an understudy the next day mm-hmm. and since then there have been understudies at the public but Lies. yes and especially for that show having swings just made sense because it's such a physically demanding piece but she was going in for a swing and she had to learn satisfied uh, which was we listened, we were in the back seat of the car driving to the next gig, listening to Lin Manuel Miranda sing it on repeat. Mm-hmm. So I knew the basic premise of the song. So when I saw it at the public and helpless happened, I was like, wait a second, what comes? When do we get the moment where Angelica like talks yeah. about all this? Like, did they cut that song? And then she begins her toast, and then they did the rewind, and I just went, oh motherfucker. <laughs>
3: Yeah,
2: it yeah. was one,
1: it's one of those moments that's so easy to make fun of now because everybody knows it. But the element of surprise really adds your appreciation to
3: it. Yeah. And when they physically OK, yeah. So when the cast physically rewinds, like mm-hmm. moves in reverse, the turntables go backwards and there's this brilliant, you know, Ableton effect where they've taken an actual recording of the song and play it backwards mm-hmm. oh i lost my ever-loving mind i'll I'm bet like, you did. that is so good yeah and, and then, then we get
1: helpless through the eyes of angelica yeah i love how you described it like we were in a gay club sure i i would love to see the evo van Hafe production of hamilton that takes place at industry sure and it's just a bunch of shirtless men and when satisfied comes on it's just everybody's fucking in the bathrooms yep
3: yep yep, yep. that's not inaccurate no? there are remixes, so I'm sure that's happened.
0: So this is what it feels like to match with. with someone at your level. What the hell is the catch? It's the feeling of freedom of seeing the light. It's Ben Franklin with the key and a kite. You see it, right? The conversation lasted two minutes, maybe three minutes. Everything we said in total agreement. It's a dream and it's a bit of a dance. A bit of a posture. It's a bit of a stance. He's a bit of a flirt, but I'm going to give it a chance. I asked about his family. Did you see his answer? His hands started fidgeting. He looked askance. He's penniless. He's flying by the seat of his pants. Handsome boy, does he know it? Far away from this place then i turn and
2: see my sister's
3: face and she is so the, the magical thing about satisfied is how absolutely brilliantly fast um that rhyme is being spit as the children say mm. like it, she's absolutely incredible like as a character it's it just defines her so clearly and so well yeah um yeah it's a great damn song
1: it is a great song. And I mean, Renee absolutely spits the verse. Mm-hmm. It's also, I mean, so the way that rap is used in this show is interesting because it, it wasn't the intention originally to make this a sung through, rapped through musical. Mm-hmm. When they decided to turn it from the concept album to a musical, which happened, uh, I believe, after the yeah they decided to turn it into a musical after they performed at lincoln center for the american songbook yeah when jeffrey seller was in the audience and went up to lynn he was like this isn't an album this is a musical and so they spent some time developing it as a musical and then did a reading at the though and that's how they got the public connection i i I meant to get back to this for a second but uh what's his face jeremy jeremy mccarter uh got put on the artistic staff of the public. And when Oscar Eustace was like, we need new works and we need new writers. McCarter was like, well, Lynn's writing a Hamilton thing. And so brought him in and they decided to sort of co-produce it with Jeffrey Seller. And they did a reading of the first act with a book writer, Mm -hmm. some apparently well-known playwright that they refused to name. And they did it. And they, afterwards they went, this just doesn't work with book scenes. We need everything. There's too much information to cover. Yeah. And rap gets it all across so much faster, so much more economically. And on top of that, Lynn also wanted rap to kind of show every character's levels of intelligence and world perspective. So he talked. Speak, you know, speaking of my shot, he talks about how when we start, we have you know very simple Mr. Burr, Sir, ba da ba da ba, and then we go into the bar and we have I'm I'm John Lawrence and the place to be, ba do ba boo ba da da ba boo da bow, and then Hamilton comes in. And starts spitting 5,000 words a second. Yeah. And changing up the tempo, changing up the meter, the rhythm, and just showing that his brain is working so much faster than everybody else's. And so speed with rap is shown as a sign of intelligence in this show. Mm -hmm. And so Eliza, not Eliza, uh, Angelica. Angelica having that same rhythm. Having the same rhythm and the same speed as Hamilton shows that they are mentally uh, soulmates. Yeah. If, if not for other uh ways or and maybe they are and just never could be because angelica falls on her sword for her sister mm-hmm. although this is another sort of tricky thing where lynn is telling sort of like a half truth of what the reality is right. and he wanted this to be taken seriously by historians and ron Chernow was a consultant on the show and there were times when ron Chernow would be like that's not correct land and lynn's like Okay, so. And yeah. just like, moved on. It's like, for exa- so it's theater. Yeah. For example, there were not just three Skylar sisters. There actually were a bunch of sons. hmm yep. So the line, my father has no son, so I'm, I'm the, the one who has, who has a social climb, for one. one. Not true. Lies. Also, Angelica was married. She was already married. By the time yeah. that they met Alexander. Yeah. Uh, so it's, even the connection they had was true. There are letters to prove that.
3: Fun other fact, uh, Aaron Burr, uh, his previous duel was with Angelica's husband. Ha! Like five years before the Hamilton duel.
1: Yeah. And what's ironic is that before that, uh, Burr was on record as uh to hating duels thinking Being that very anti duel. Yeah, thought they were stupid. In fact yeah. stopped a couple uh and yeah, Lynn was like, clearly he changed his mind eventually. But mm-hmm. that but that is in the show during the uh Ten Duel Commandments, is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. So Can we
3: agree that duels are stupid and uh immature? Things? Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah, uh, something in ruinous. Okay, so we're yeah, doing, doing this. this. There's yeah. so many words to know in this show, guys. Pardon, moi. But yeah, so the the speed of which is impressive, just on the talent level, but then also what it means for the character of Angelica, yeah. which I really appreciate. And there, and it takes its moments to stop and reflect, which I really uh, enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't. I don't know. There's like no blame in the song. It's just what she's chosen to do. Yeah. And, you know, she'll have regrets about it, but ultimately she is happy with the choice she made, I guess, mm-hmm. because she, lo- she loves her sister more than her own well-being. Yeah. Which is modern if ever
3: I heard it. Yep. Yep. Noble. Um What is your favorite song in the show? I hate to be that bitch, mm-hmm. but
1: probably Skylar sisters. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really fun. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's i remember seeing it at the public and thinking like that's cute and then they it was like 80 percent the song that it became on broadway the Mm -hmm. vast majority of it was the same but there were just certain tweaks they did how to build it they added all the harmonies for the three skylar sisters because that was their vocal warm-up backstage sort of be in sync was they would do three-part harmonies in Uh their dressing room and lynn heard it he's like we got to include that so that became part of the song and so by the time it got to broadway and was sort of rebuffed it became like my absolute favorite song. I also, I mean, I'll never forget where I was when I first saw Leslie Odom Jr do The Room Where It Happens. Oh. And yeah. to, there are certain moments at a show where everyone in the audience has the same collective response. Mm-hmm. And to like to a specific moment, not like a button, but so I can recall seeing Kimberly Cambo at the Atlantic and Victoria Clark singing uh Getting Older is your uh, getting older is my affliction getting older is your cure sure. Yeah, and everyone just going ugh 300 people just going uh, strange loop at Playwrights Horizons mm-hmm. when Larry Owens as Usher says you wanted a gospel play this is the only way I know how to write it and everyone just went ugh uh. and then Hamilton when Leslie Odom Jr. is doing no one was in the room or it happens and then it gets to the what do you want or what do you stand for you get nothing if you don't wait if you just wait for it what do you want or what do you want I I want to be in the room where it happens. And everyone just went, Oh, Oh. (laughs) cause the entire thing just felt like, you know, a classic narration. Yeah. yeah, Che Guevara singing about money cats rolling in or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then it connect. This is where Hamilton does Evita's better Mm -hmm. is whereas Che is always the narrator. This relates back to Burr personally as a character and gives him motive for the rest of act two. And we spent all of the show leading up to this. So it's, it's earned. And so to hear that moment, come and clearly no one expected it and we're like oh we
2: all
3: just
1: we all just realized that's what we're doing in this song i love
3: it also there's a banjo
1: there is a banjo oh god i love the banjo and that was their audio promo and on the radio when the show was going to broadway they just played a little bit of room where it happens Uh with the banjo and everyone was like what is this score Uh uh-huh banjo for the first time in how long probably since big motherfucking river
3: yep yep and I'm here for it.
1: My also hot take, by the way, the, the, apropos of nothing. And we'll get into it further with Disney Plus, but the B-roll footage of the show, which mm-hmm. they released in full pretty soon after the show came out, oh. show, the show, the the way that this show teased material and kept itself in the in the media mm-hmm. is pretty fucking brilliant. And one of the things they did was they pretty much released they had no B roll footage for a couple of months, yeah. and then they released all of it on YouTube like five months in. Really, I so, yeah yeah you can watch it. it I mean, it, it should still be up there. I think that the B roll footage is better shot than the pro than shot. Disney Plus, yeah, than oh, the wow. Disney Plus. Absolutely, I think that it's edited together better. You see certain things better. Yeah,
3: I mean the the use of Ariana is incredible and as the, the, the bullet show. Yeah, yeah, like that's just really fucking brilliant i
1: mean she's like kind of the angel of death
3: yeah 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 and just it's 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 wicked wicked smart
1: wicked smart I, it's, it sounds like a fool's errand to say what's your favorite hamilton song because there are so many to choose from and yeah. and when we say favorite you're not always saying best right and True. and i feel like people choose it uh choose their songs like you know what's your sign they think it says yeah. something about them if you're like oh well my personal favorite song is, you know, uh, "Stay Alive." I know it's only forty seconds, but I find it very moving. Yeah. I'm
3: like, go <laughs> fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> Although I um, am down, yeah. yeah. I'm
3: defeated. S- like, that's that's my that's my damn jam.
1: I mean, I am the same way about. Uh, bon- uh, I think what's it called? Uh, fuck. Um, oh merci beaucoup monsieur goddard in uh oh God. passing strange <laughs> that is my favorite song and it is only two minutes of just wow. la 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 but, mm-hmm. but at least in my defense for that one she is a bop
3: sure skylar
1: defeated is not a bop. it's not a, it's not a bop it's a yeah. reprise it sure sure fucking is yeah yeah also a lot of musical theater
3: references in this show so many 1776 uh last five years uh camelot there's a okay so there's apparently a Le mis reference in um story of tonight that yeah he doesn't he deliberately uh doesn't say what it is Um, there was a or maybe it was on twitter uh that there was a melodic there was some kind of quote a Le mis reference in story of tonight and i don't know what it is and i know Le mis like the back of my goddamn hand i know Le mis like the inside of your butthole which is to say not at all which is shameful. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, Listen, homophobia you, you to, comes in all shapes and sizes. You ought to get to know the inside. I, you ought to get... a rob. You ought to know Les rob.
1: I... I... I know Lehmann's rock better than I know my own family. Yeah. <laughs> it's pr- <laughs> to the point where I have made a case for the melodic repetitions in the show, as I think that they all make sense. They're
3: leitmotifs, of course. Yeah.
1: But, you know, like how people complain with Andrew Lloyd Webber and when he repeats stuff. And, yeah. like, and I think there's an argument to be made against him sometimes. Some of them work. Some of them don't. Sure. is, I think, like 98% of the motifs being re- reused work.
3: Yeah. I mean, same thing with, honestly, aspects of love. Um, but I'm
1: not that familiar with it Isn't there like a whole wretched bit about pancakes No I could have sworn there was No pancakes no. Someone pancakes. mentioned something about Like I don't know Something about cooking something
3: Yeah yeah no there are There are a bunch of food things Oh a lot of food yeah. things Okay but not pancakes oh, almond yak yeah. yeah um Yeah there's a lot going I ahead. mean I
1: guess you could say The very beginning of it Has a little drink with me vibes
3: Yeah but I mean he's like There's like a direct Melodic quote I'm like I don't know What you're talking about
1: here No
3: yeah I don't know He was basically challenging people to find all the references on Twitter and he's like no there's a Les Mis quote in story of tonight
1: I'm sure he thinks there is I'm like
3: I don't know that that's the melody that you think it is No, he
1: also I mean he forgot that there were Schuyler brothers so who's to say but I mean he does have a very encyclopedic knowledge of musical theater and there are certain shows that he is very passionate about Les Mis, Rent, uh Sweeney Todd mm-hmm. so yeah I'm I mean I like having the Camelot reference Samoa and yeah. nobody needs to know yeah I mean the lame is is kind of referenced just in sort of how the show moves though yes it
3: does feel very much I mean notwithstanding the turntable but
1: um, but the turntable though like the, yeah. it's a three-part turntable yeah not something you see very often uh we have it with Town, but that's you know again it's rare usually turntables are just like the one piece yeah not often do you see a two-piece yeah. or even a
3: three. Yeah. it's, it's it, And it does really help the momentum of the show move yeah. the way that it should.
1: I remember, and this is some, this is an example of sometimes people being passionate but stupid. And <laughs> uh, when Hamilton was going into the Rogers, it was coming in right after If Then. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Her. And somebody asked on the lines is, not – I guess not knowing that Hamilton had already been off Broadway or whatever, but they they said, like – so Hamilton's going into the theater that If Then was in. Is the turntable, like, a reference to that? Did they, to did, if Then. Yeah, like, did they just keep the turntable? And pretty much immediately the response was, like, you know that this show has been in development since before If Then came out on Broadway. That yeah. it's also – that, like, it played for months before it moved to Broadway. Oh, and by the way, it's more likely a reference to Les Miz's turntable than to If Then's turntable.
3: Yeah. I don't think anyone is using "if then" as a reference for anything except for a very niche play off Broadway,
1: which I saw. Yeah, how was that? It wanted to do what Significant Other did in regards to the relationship between a straight woman and a gay man, in addition to a lot of other things. Yeah, and I don't think it really succeeded, but it also did talk a bit about kind of a fan actor culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When actors start to become more successful, they become less fans of the thing because it's not cool. Yeah, and it's like, well, no, you're you're doing this because you like it, right? Not just because someone told you you're pretty and talented, like, and you decided, oh, maybe I'll make a career out of everyone seeing my face and body. Yeah, it's because you actually like theater. It's why you put up with the rejection. And so I liked they they explored that, if not as fully as I would have liked. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, theater geekery is. Uh, <laughs> I lo- I love theater actors who are also theater geeks.
1: Yeah, Abso- Oh, absolutely. I think those are the best ones. Yeah. Yeah. People who know their shit. Uh, I mean, like, uh, listen, guys, Audrey McDonald's a theater geek. Yes. She's, she's got six fucking Tonys. Yeah. Yeah. Be, be huge a theater, theater geek. Huge theater geek. Be a theater geek, people.
0: I imagine death so much it feels more like a memory. When's it gonna get me? In my sleep, seven feet ahead of me? If I see it coming, do I run or do I let it be? Is it like a beat without a melody? See, I never thought I'd live past 20 where i come from some get half as many ask anybody why we live it fast and we laugh reach for a blast we have to make this moment last that's plenty scratch that this is not a moment it's the movement
1: where you know there, there's a million references in the show and and direct lines from certain mm-hmm. pop songs and and uh r&b songs and hip-hop songs yeah to the point that uh the royalties on the show for other artists is pretty large not yeah. like not Moulin Rouge events because no. The truth is that seventy songs. Yeah, the truth is that Lin did not actually have to pay anybody royalties because he used just enough mm-hmm. that it did not violate yeah. copyright law. But he felt that it was the right thing to do, and they negotiated a royalty for every artist whose work is sampled in the show. Right, and there are even, there are even pieces where there were larger samples that they had to cut down or eliminate completely because they're like yeah. we can't afford to pay this person every week yep. for using these 30 seconds.
3: Yep. Yeah. Um but you know, Jason Robert Brown bought a car
1: because of Hamilton?
3: Yeah. I don't know. Something. Ma- I'm maybe. sure. Maybe. You something, you know. I saw Molly's him He's in... going to college. Yeah. I
1: saw him in concert somewhere and he talked about not Hamilton, but he did talk about um Jason's song with on Grande. Oh yeah, yeah. And they're and they were asking him like, "Oh, uh what was the response to that?" He's like, "It was mostly Twitter just going, "Who's Jason?"
3: Yeah. Uh yeah. That's basically it. And then, you know, just a gentle pile of cash.
1: Yeah, exactly. Send,
3: send those kids off to any college they want. Imagine what it would have been if, like, it was still an era in which you had to buy an album. I know. Like, my God. The money. Yeah, seriously. I mean, Patty Griffin is a, a like, folk songwriter that I adore. Um, and she made, I think, two and a half million dollars because her, like, one of her songs was on um, Susan Boyle's first album.
2: Oh,
1: my God. Tragic. I really wanted, when Hamilton goes and fucks Mariah Reynolds, uh-huh. the moment he enters her to go, ooh, look what you made me do. Look what you <laughs> made me do. Look what oh. you just made me. Look what you just made oh. me do. Oh, I wanted vivid. that for him. I wanted that for both of them.
3: Vivid. Vivid. Um. Oh, also, just flagging something brilliant in the opening number. Uh-huh. The me, I fought for him. Me, I loved him. Uh, me, I died for him. Yeah. Like, the fact that... It's true of both characters that each of those actors play. I'm like, that's really good. That's just really good. Lynn I mean, thinks so too. I'm do. Yeah. I know he does, but I am duly impressed with yeah. it and bravo. Well,
1: you know, sometimes when you create something and and you look back and and you're like, I don't know what was going on in my head that day mm-hmm. that made me come up with this, but looking back, I'm really fucking impressed with myself. Yeah. and yeah. It, that's one of those moments. And because yeah, it, it is double casting. First mm-hmm. of all, the characters of. Hercules Mulligan, John Lawrence, and uh, Lafayette also play Thomas Jefferson, uh, Philip Schuyler, and um, God, what's his face? Uh, James Madison. Yeah. So Jefferson and Madison in Act 2 fight with Hamilton, you know, mentally and politically. They spar with him. But in Act 1, when they're Lafayette and Mulligan, they fight with him in the war. So when they say, we fought with him, Mm -hmm. we fought with him, and we fought with him. Uh, And then when Philip... Uh, when the actor who plays Philip slash Lawrence says, "I died for him," he means it in both senses because mm-hmm. Lawrence dies in Act One (spoiler alert), and Philip mm-hmm. Skyler, their eldest son, dies in Act Two (spoiler too). And the me I loved him—it's at the moment we think it's just the three Skyler sisters, yeah. Because Angelica and Eliza did love him, not Peggy. But mm. the actress plays Peggy, also plays Mariah Reynolds, yeah, and she probably didn't love him, love him, but you know she put some love to him,
3: yeah. And I think there is there is a softness to that relationship. Where, yeah. yeah, she's using him. Um, but I think there is some kind of, like, she's actually drawn to him. Yeah. There's a connection there yeah. for
1: sure. Yeah. Even though it was a honeypot. Yeah. Situation. Yeah. But she's still, I think she still liked that D.
3: Yeah. 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 I mean, it was legendarily good
1: yes and apparently with legendary eyes so while he was dicking you down you could look into his green eyes and go
3: "Ooh, yeah. baby look what you made me do, do. well look
1: that's look where you add, you add in mind. kelly clarkson's
3: behind these hazel eyes yeah oh here i am oh, yeah. I'm uh, the yeah. we yeah. love it we'd love to see it i love kelly clarkson mm. i'd love i loved it when kelly clarkson sang hamilton
1: I uh, yes she sang it's quiet uptown yeah
3: and it was gorgeous
1: well, Kelly's amazing.
3: Kelly's amazing, but also it's like I, I love that shit. Kelly Clarkson <laughs> also covered the same Patty Griffin song that Susan Boyle did. So it's what all, is this Patty Griffin cool. song? Up to the mountain. Um, it's this beautiful song. Kelly did it on like Idol Gives Back or some shit. Um, but uh, Patty also wrote a bunch of stuff for like Dixie Chicks. So there's like that when they were still Dixie Chicks before they were just the Chicks, um, the yeah, Chicks, the Chicks, the Chicks, yeah, the.
1: I mean, you just said it now, but I'll say it, uh, since I brought it up earlier, the song that I think is the number one culprit of being overstaged Mm -hmm. is quiet uptown. Yep. That is, that is not a song where I need the ensemble to come onto the turntable and become trees.
3: No, but the forgiveness moment is so gorgeous. And I break, I, I can
1: have them all on the sides of the stage for forgiveness. Yeah, that is fine. For 95% of that song, I just want to watch Philippa Sue cry. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yes. I, I don't disagree. She cries so well. She does it so well. Um, she does all things so well. It's not until you see other people play that role that you realize how effortlessly brilliant Philippa Sue is. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, as we were saying before, some shows moving from off Broadway to Broadway just get better. Yeah. Sometimes it's a simple matter of like being in a larger space, like Hamilton allows mm-hmm. it to breathe. Some shows like Fun Home and Kimberly Akimbo just, you know, use the time that they have in between transfers to really kind of fine tune the show mm-hmm. and rethink it. Oh well, Fun Home rethought its staging and design. Which was just went I mean, I loved it at the public and then I saw it on Broadway. I'm like, how dare you make this go from a ten to an eleven? Yeah. And Kimberly you know, they don't do any major overhauls. I think the yeah. act one, finale, act one is,
3: finale is different. Yeah.
1: I mean, same staging, just different song. Yeah. Uh, but it's essentially the same set. They just sort of, you know, there are more hydraulics in it now. It flows yeah. a little bit better. It's just like they would trim things here and there. So we would get to bigger moments faster mm-hmm. and the whole thing just flows better and it's bigger and it's more confident. And it's such a wonderful show. Yeah. Uh, details of that to come. But with Hamilton, yeah, it's, it's the same thing where like all most of the, changes for Broadway were either like beefing up certain songs or like trimming here and there. Uh, yeah. Lynn had a very famous tweet when uh, the show was in previews. He said, we've come to the point in previews where we put down the pencil and pick up the knife.
3: <laughs> yes, true. Um, I mean, Adam's administration went away. Yeah. Uh, there was that one moment in uh, actually in Skyler Defeated where Eliza has like this whole other scene mm-hmm. um that I recently listened to and I'm like, oh, this kind of really beefs up Eliza. Yeah. And kind of shows how involved in his career she was. Yeah. Um, where right now in the show she does feel a little bit like, you know, stay at home milk toast wife.
0: Um, yeah,
1: she definitely she becomes in that show just like such a beacon of goodness yeah. and like support. It's yeah. that um when he uh there's uh natalie walker had that like famous uh twitter sketch where she was like woman in oscar movie uh, uh watch yeah. watching watching husband make history and it's like her on the couch like watching the tv as her husband makes history and like looking off screen she's like i'm fine i'm fine he did it he made the history and it's basically what's her face in apollo 13 yeah, yeah. but that's often eliza of like mm-hmm. my husband the genius and mm-hmm. I think what the show does really well is giving Eliza the last word yes. um, and sort of, you know, oh, this person who all, all we've ever known of her is that she's sweet, ended up outliving everybody and doing so much with the time she got after Alexander died. Mm-hmm. And that's really lovely. But I would have liked some more moments in the show that gave her edge. Yeah. For the most part, we just see her either be silent, uh, quietly happy or silently suffering.
3: Yeah, just quietly devastated yeah um and be and be boxed once yeah exactly i mean i think the uh the cut like now that i'm thinking about it d- it does make the ending more effective because yeah. we haven't seen her kind of assert herself so beh- seeing her kind of go down and try to smooth things over with burr mm-hmm. after he defeats her father um it's interesting um and burr looking at her and being like yeah you need to take a page out of her book to Mm -hmm. alexander i kind of loved that moment yeah um a lot of the other cuts i'm like "Mm -hmm, that could go that's
1: fine something that lynn talks about in the book with angelica is like angelica is a top flight mind in a society that won't allow her to flex those muscles Mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like eliza's given the same attitude that were like angelica's the brain eliza's the heart and i think eliza is smart she just you know she makes choices that maybe not every so, you know so-called smart female character in a musical or who we're meant to believe would be smart would make yeah and i think intelligent people can make really heartfelt decisions sometimes intelligent people can make stupid decisions uh but because she leads with her heart i feel like the show sometimes frames her as less intellectual yeah. less intelligent uh yeah cuz i don't know the ending like it shows how much she was capable of but i don't feel like it always relates to her mind it's more like again it's her passion it's her mm-hmm. heart and it's all connected to alexander my dear alexander which i did read the first chapter of the of the book of the biography cuz i think the first chapter is her it's yeah. like it's a, her towards the end of her life and it's yeah. she's blind at this point she's super fucking old yeah. and
3: like all she's
1: all she can talk about is
3: alexander right and he'd been dead for you know yeah, like 40 years yeah um Okay, what is your interpretation of the last moment? The <gasps> yeah, the... which okay. By the time we got to Disney Plus, uh-huh. like when I saw it, it was just like this devastating kind of like small gas. Yeah, it's just a <gasps> yeah, like oh wow. Yeah, as, as opposed to like now, it sounds like she got punched in the fucking solar plexus. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my other issue with that Disney Plus recording, and so. Pin and what does the last gasp mean? Yeah. But the Disney Plus recording came about because they towards the end of the first year of the run, mm-hmm. when they still had the original company, except for Groff Sauce, they wanted to film the whole thing. For what reason? They had no idea. Yeah. They just wanted to do it. Yeah. And, and good. They should. Yeah. And this is coming a few months off the heels of the royalty battle which Mm -hmm. we can get into in a second as well it's not a very long story but it does it has also now started repercussions for other shows and how workshops go with that and Mm -hmm. uh how i mean i I guess like labs are now like more common because of it or yeah yeah but when the pro shot happened as i said almost a year into the run pretty much everyone was on board with it except for one Leslie Odom Jr.
2: Mm-hmm. Who
1: held out until the last possible second. <laughs> wanted more money, mm-hmm. wanted more blah blah blah. He knew he was winning the Tony in two months, yep. and his contract was up like a month after that anyway, and he was fully heading off to film TV and, and mm-hmm. pop music. Which I guess he's been relatively successful at. He works. He works. He yeah. Works. He doesn't I mean he voices on Central Park. He was he's been in a couple of movies like um Murder on the Orient Express. He's not, no, he's not uh, Daniel Craig's right-hand man in the Knives Out series. That's someone else. But, uh, he, I mean, I know he had an album. He did a commercial for some yeah. sort that was, like, focused purely on him. I also remember Hollywood Reporter did a roundtable on actors from that Tony season. They tend to do that with oh, the yeah, Tony's, yeah. 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 And he, like, I think he's, like, in a sweater with, with a scarf, like, up to his chin, hands on the table. And they're sort of talking about race in the theater what what he says is not wrong he just says it in such a inside the actor studio kind of way (laughs) yeah where they're talking about sort of you know oh has the race racial balance on broadway been corrected now with hamilton and you know we've and we also have color purple and shuffle along like do you really like do you think we've got it and he was like i think we're having a moment Mm -hmm. it's like i don't he's like how long it lasts we shall see he's like but no i don't think it's over and which is absolutely fair and turned out to be true, yeah. but again, he said it like, "I think we're
0: having a moment,"
1: mm. <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, dude, yeah. to talk dude like a person. talk to quote Burr about Ale- Eliza Hamilton. Like, it's sometimes about how you say it as well as what it is
3: that you are saying." Mm-hmm. And so he also, I don't understand his accent in the entire show. No, and he has a weird cadence sometimes when he speaks. There's some he, very strange, like Caribbean accent that it comes out everyone and a
1: lot of hand acting it's so much of it in the theater was so engrossing like it was he was so fascinating to watch and and you got the sense that his character was always just sort of at a slight distance the entire time Mm -hmm. taking everything light so he could always be light and always be at the forefront and there's something off about
3: how he performs in that disney pro uh disney plus i think he's exhausted he like the voice isn't like yeah voice isn't great on. they
1: i mean they also did shoot it over 3 days yeah uh they shot two live performances and then spent all day Monday shooting
3: yeah so it's crunchy
1: yes but also like his acting is weird like there's just something about it that just feels a little shut down
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i don't know like i i don't want to project it just feels a little bit like that but that's also kind of true of a lot of the company not that everyone's crunchy but like oh You've all been performing this for well over a year now when we include Off Broadway and yeah. some of the workshops you all have been a part of. Like, you've gotten to the point now where you've, where the choices you've made are no longer like digging even deeper. It's you've started to get bored. So you're making altered choices mm-hmm. that are now detracting, like Philippa's Gasp. Yeah. And again, she is such a wonderful performer, but that thing, as you said, it's like she got kicked in the vagina. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And. I'm like, girl, you're better than that. Come on, Juilliard. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. So, what does the gasp mean to you?
3: I mean, I feel like I don't feel like she's seeing him no. necessarily. Um, I just feel like you know, it, it's it's the light. You know, she's basically going into the light. Sure, I heard.
1: I mean, there's so many there are a million exactly, reasons. Right and and Tommy Kale, the director and Lynn have never like Yeah, they'll con-
3: deliberately, you know, kind of
1: They've 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 also said like every Eliza has a different Yeah they they've now basically said like it's up to the Eliza who does it. Yeah. What it means. The interpretation that I heard that I liked the most, and it was the really the kind of the first one mm-hmm. out the gate, and it's what I do think Philippa originally was doing mm-hmm. was that it was no longer Alexander guiding her into the light but Lynn manuel miranda guiding eliza to the front of the theater and real and recognizing before she died what everything she and alexander did led up to that yeah. all these years later there are 1400 people in front of her mm-hmm. who just sat and watched a musical about her husband's life mm-hmm. that it wasn't all for nothing yeah and that is sort of the ultimate gift yeah that your life not only that it mattered but you will be remembered because so many of us won't be. Even if you do contribute something great to this world, like, is it something that's going to have that long of a lasting legacy, mm-hmm. you know?
3: Well, and Hamilton himself was kind of, you know, a little bit of dustbin of history. Yeah. Yes, on the $10 bill. But it's like, this guy was in a prison. Who the fuck is this guy? Exactly. Um, nobody really knew. Um, and They now... knew the duel and they knew the $10 bill. That was it. Yeah. A... yeah. I mean, if they knew the duel at all. Just like there's this guy on the ten dollar yeah. bill. Oh, I, I um, remember
1: the duel in middle school. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I know because I like this shit. But yeah. like, I don't think any normal human being, sure, on Earth would just be like, oh yeah, Alexander Hamilton. He got killed in a duel and was on the ten dollar bill. Meanwhile, now, what's your accent? How dare yeah, you come from my accent? Where the, I wasn't coming for it. I like a weird vocal choice. Um, but like that suddenly now there's a full neighborhood, in New York, where basically it's Hamilton Heights. Yeah, because Lynn bought all of like Washington Heights, and now it's just Hamilton Heights. Well, Hamilton Heights—that's how it is, became. Named, that's south of right? Washington Heights, though. I know. Yeah, I'm fucking with you. I,
1: uh, um, you haven't fucked with me in years. Oh, I'm creaky. Sad. I'm I'm unused. But uh, yeah, well, now because of the popularity of the show, their houses, you know, like yeah. a visiting destination. Their graves are destinations. Mm-hmm. There's like Hamilton tours all over the yeah. city. Hamilton pop up museums. It's, yeah. And like, there's so much about his life that is truly fascinating. He, it is fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And considering also like how young he was when he died and what he accomplished, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it it's, it's something to, that makes you think. And there is so much in our culture that we just make anybody famous. Yeah. First of all, fame and, and importance are two very different things. Just because mm-hmm. you're famous right now does not mean you will be remembered for all time. Yes. Who the fuck remembers, uh, uh, God, what's her face from, I'm still here. Brenda Frazier. Uh, yeah. You know, the ultimate like eight girl for a year, like that big debutante heiress or whatever. Super famous for two years. Yeah. By, by 1975, everyone's
3: like, who? Nicole Richie. Yeah. Was the most famous human, you know, next to Paris mm-hmm. for, you know, a good three and a half years. Tara Reed. Oh, Tara Reid. Tara Reid. But I mean,
1: we're also naming just women. But every, all these people, like, yeah. I, I I hate to sound this kind of morbid, mm-hmm. but like when Kim Kardashian dies, mm-hmm. how long before every before the majority of people just go,
3: wait, who? Yeah. Well, and at that point, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that that kind of fame, that kind of because i mean now she's a mogul like what is the durability of that yeah what do you look back you know i my other thought like you know of the gasp is eliza turning around and seeing everything that her work has accomplished Mm -hmm. yes in his honor but her work yeah um it when kim kardashian comes to the end and looks back will she gasp or will she just go "Eh." like
1: (laughs) the vocal fry yeah what do you do
3: yeah, what have you done?
1: She'll finally have found that diamond
3: earring in the ocean that she lost. Yeah,
1: so like I mentioned this in my Kimberly Akimbo review of just sort of, you know the limited time all of us have and what is it that you want to do with it? And I think mm-hmm. everyone should think of you know two things: how to enjoy their life in a way that doesn't necessarily bring harm to others, yes, and what can you contribute to the world? You don't have to solve everything; it doesn't have to be the most important thing in the world. But like can you leave something behind that can stick around for just a little bit?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it does, uh, whether it's one tiny thing or one big thing or a million little things, it doesn't matter, but something, you know, try to, you know, um, uh, they always say like, you know, leave something better than when you found it or yeah. whatever. Like, I feel like that's the way we should be about our lives with the world. Yeah. Try to leave a little pocket of the garden, like in candy and make our garden grow. Mm-hmm. Try to leave a little pocket of it a little better than how you found it. And that is something that, I would argue Alexander didn't really do with his life. He didn't necessarily make anything better. He helped build something. Mm-hmm. And that launched Eliza for the rest of her life to make things better.
3: Right. And I mean, a, I don't know, like a lot of what he founded and what a lot of what it created was to make things better for, yeah, you know, not only for the nation, but for, you know, humans in general.
1: Some of those things have, have have come under scrutiny since, which comes into the yeah. backlash of Alec, the New York uh,
3: Post in particular. Yes, uh,
1: well, and the banking system, like yeah. Hamilton, for anything, it is a truth universally acknowledged that when something becomes very, very popular, there will be backlash, mm-hmm. and then the backlash will die down. There will be backlash 2 side backlash, and then backlash will come again. And interestingly enough, when the Disney Plus Pro Shot happened, because with 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 the Pro Shot. Uh, filming. Basically, Mm -hmm. they sat on it for like six years, and then sold it to Disney Plus. Yeah, for seventy five million dollars. Yeah, because there was talk of oh, they're gonna release it in theaters on the tenth anniversary. Oh, they're gonna sell the movie rights. They might have even sold the movie rights. I don't know, but it ended up going to Disney Plus, which aired it during the summer of twenty twenty. Yeah, and it was really big for them. It was a big get, and ended up working out well for them. But they're from that. Many people who had never seen Hamilton before, or kids who had only known the album or tried to watch a bootleg online, on Pornhub maybe, mm-hmm. and watched it on Disney Plus, all of a sudden there became brilliantly titled. What was Broadway. the title?
3: Do you remember? Um, immigrant fucks a bunch. No. Oh. Uh, oh. American Revolutionary fucks a bunch of British guys. Sounds about right.
1: Yep. Sounds about right. But um, I don't know if you remember this when it when it finally came out on Disney Plus. Like Gen Z had a really Strong dislike of the show. Yeah. And of Lynn in particular. There became backlash to him of his like can do, uh, oh golly gee whiz, theater kid mentality. Yeah. Which I get. Sure. I get, I I more get it now. It's again, I'm, I'm super pumped that he's still so passionate and the things excite him so much. That's, it's really great that all the success has not diminished how exciting creating things can be for him. I love that for him. There is a little bit of, an awareness one needs to have though about their status in the world especially when you get you know as you continue to rise so for example like when the tick tick boom movie came out Mm -hmm. he kept saying like can you believe they let us make this and like get away with this and i went you are lin-manuel miranda you have the entertainment industry by the balls with hamilton and you yeah and you wrote the songs for moana Oh, and also, Encanto came out at the same time as Tick, Tick, Boom, like mm-hmm. which no one knew how huge that was going to be. But like you, be like you are now Disney's butt boy. Yeah, like Netflix was going to let you do whatever the fuck you wanted. Yeah, you're if, a cash cow. Yeah, if you were like, I would like to turn all seven hours of Angels in America into twelve hours mm-hmm. in German. Yes, they would say sure, go for it. Someone would fund that. Yeah, that, but, but you know what I mean? Like that's just that's where I think a lot of the. Gen Zers kind of have issues with him of like the oh my god I'm just one of you guys and emotionally he may still feel that way but they're like you dude you have to look at your bank account Mm -hmm. and look at who's calling you up at you know 10 a.m to get brunch yeah before you say you're one of us
3: yeah yeah
1: um and then the backlash of the show when the Disney Plus stuff came out do you remember what this was kind of it was a little I think a little silly just because it was something that's like It was a complaint more about history than it was about the show. Yeah, Uh, I guess the only way you could really describe it as a complaint of the show was, you know, characters who had owned slaves and a founding of an America that we are now recognizing is more complicated and messy than we once thought is brought up in such a positive, um, hopeful light in the show. And a lot of Gen Z were like, no, thank you for that viewpoint. Right. But you also have to... This is where context comes in. Hamilton came out in the era of Obama. Mm -hmm. There was still another year and a half to go of his administration when it premiered at the public. Yeah. Uh, It was written... The the entirety of it was written during his two terms. There was a pride and a hopefulness a lot of Americans had, especially in the entertainment industry of the country, Mm -hmm. of how far we had come. And then we had a major regression during hamilton's time on broadway and so you now have to kind of view its viewpoint of the country through that lens which not to be disparaging but is something that gen Z kind of has a little trouble with is taking historical context sometimes
3: into works of art right and the the hope changiness of as you know that hope, hopey, changey thing, as Sarah Palin so yeah, they called it. Like, she has dancing with the stars. The, oh, geez, oh, no, was that her daughter? That was a daughter that was uh, gross. Oh, god, Bristol. Thank god, thank god, I forgot her name. Yep, um, yeah, like that moment was so it permeated our entire culture. It was very much a kind of Camelot moment. Yep, uh, so. Yeah, the fact that it is kind of a sunshiny thing. I mean, I do also remember there being some backlash about the fact, you know, the history that, you know, Hamilton wasn't that much of an abolitionist. No. Um, and be like, mm, yeah, we're kind of we're kind of painting him with a, a brush yeah. that is not at all true.
1: Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like, maybe for his time, he was maybe a little more bold and forward-thinking than his contemporaries, but like, not so much as he's portrayed in the show.
3: Yeah, no, 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 no. No, many, many oh god what is a many oh, fuck what is it what are we talking about uh a group of many what is the lyric i gotta find a group
1: of many many yeah many men many,
3: many...
1: what song is that
3: abolitionists this? uh give me a position show me where the ammunition is oh
1: give me a position show me where the ammunition The line is. before
3: which is so brilliant
1: oh uh, it's in my shot yes uh here we go uh it's right before the oh am i talking too loud what are the odds the gods will put us all in one spot, pop in a squat on conventional wisdom, like it or not, a bunch of revolutionary manumission abolitionists? Yes, give manumission me a, abolitionists. Yeah. Give me a position, show me where the ammunition is. What yeah. is manumission? No idea. I did not know that was a word. Yeah, it is. Manumission.
3: Yeah.
1: So you like the lyric, but you don't know no, like, what that word means.
3: Yeah, I mean it's 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 fascinating wordplay.
1: It is. I mean, he's really great at wordplay. I'm he's, up.
3: he's a he has a he has a hot take. Lin Manuel Miranda, good at the words. <laughs> <laughs> Many mission refers to the legal release of enslaved people at a time when slavery is sanctioned by law, as opposed to emancipation, which follows abolition and releases all people formerly enslaved. Yep. Can the I tell you one you know? <laughs> Speaking of
1: emancipation, mm-hmm. one of my favorite very racist uh jokes from the south park movie and when i say racist the joke is about racism it, the mm-hmm. joke itself is not racist yes is when chef is in army training and they're going over the plan for when they attack canada and it's operation human shield and it's oh. ju- and it's just all the black soldiers yep Yep. And the sergeant says, any questions? Chef raises his hand. He goes, yes. And Chef goes, have you ever heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? (laughs) And there's a beat. And and the sergeant goes, I don't listen to hip hop. (laughs) Yep. That movie is so good. It's phenomenal. It is
3: perhaps the second best movie musical of the 90s after the animated Beauty and the Beast. I cannot remember... If it's, I, I don't know if it's um, apocryphal or not, but I do remember like hearing or reading when it was released that it was Sondheim's like favorite movie musical. He's like, it's the only one that works all the way through.
1: Uh, I don't remember that. He, I, I did read that he said it was the best musical of the '90s, including anything he had written. Ah, yeah, uh, which maybe i'm mistaking that for what you said but i but yes there is there is a sondheim connection to the south park movie and he absolutely loved it and thought it was like one of the best of that decade makes me so happy yeah um yeah he doesn't love movie musicals because of the you know just super reality of film and so
3: of course before they filmed sweeney todd and into the woods so maybe his opinion changed well, he, does, he, did, he did like the
1: Sweeney Todd movie. Yeah. He. I don't think he liked the Into the Woods movie very much. I think he was kind to it because yeah. they gave him money. Yeah. And he liked everyone involved, but I don't think he liked it very much. But he was very open about liking the Sweeney Todd movie, yeah. as am I, as am I. I understand it's not for everyone, but we have three different film versions of that score on stage. Yeah. We don't need a movie version that is completely uh, true to it. We just need a good
0: movie. I liked By the Sea.
1: That was fun. That was a fun moment. No, I will say, this is not a Sweeney Todd podcast, but we can bring it back to Hamilton. Uh, I've said it before. Of all the movie musicals of the last like 25 years, mm. that and Chicago have the <sighs> best motors under them, where like yeah. it just keeps moving, and it's something that is surprisingly difficult for a lot of modern uh, filmmakers. Yeah. So I have you. No matter what anyone thinks of that. Sweeney Todd movie they have to give credit to the fact that Tim Burton keeps that shit running and the music never stops which is another brilliant choice of his there's always underscoring bringing it back to Hamilton always back to (laughs) Hamilton but good luck good luck just you know speaking of like motor keeping things moving right Mm -hmm. another complaint people had when it was off Broadway and was moving to Broadway was like oh how are they going to cut 15 minutes out of this show the show was two hours and 45 minutes with an intermission like This is not Les Mis. They can't get away with this. Like how they, how are they going to cut it down?
3: And I remember that, and it was insane to me. Well, so shows can be two forty five. Yeah. Well, so I think it was over three. Wasn't it like close to three or like over three? It
1: was close to three at the public, and they got it down to about two forty five for Broadway. Which is, you know, they trimmed off 10 minutes. And yeah. some shows, like, really do need the 45-minute cuts. Yeah. And some shows, it's just about finding the right 10 to make yeah. everything seem faster. Mm-hmm. Like, Kimberly Akimbo, I think it's they might have shaved off, like, six or seven minutes total. Sure. But it just makes everything move. Yeah. But... With Hamilton, I remember that was a major complaint. And then I I remember somebody wrote, like, I think Hamilton is just one of those shows that's two hours and 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, they don't need to make it shorter. And Tommy Kale said at one point, he was like, when people complain about length, it's just that their attention wanders. It's not the actual number itself of minutes that they spend with the show. There are shows that are three hours that go by in a second, the original name is, Mm -hmm. uh, 315 actually. And then there are like ninety minute shows that go on forever. I just fucking saw Ohio State Murders with Uh, goddess divine Audra McDonald. mm -hmm. It is seventy minutes long, Uh and you feel every second of it. (laughs) Every second.
3: Yeah, yeah. I need to. um, I'll I'll go at some point.
1: On that note, let's take a break. Great. Let's.
2: Billy, I beg to differ with you. How do you mean? You're the top. Yeah. You're an arrow (laughs) caller. You're the top.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: And we're back oh, like, like before. before. Oh, won that wall. Yep. I don't even remember where we were, what we were talking about. <laughs> this, I'll say this is the kind of episode I really like doing where we just kind of we discuss so much of the show, but mm-hmm. never any kind of order. It's just like a real convo. Sure,
3: sure, sure, sure. Yeah,
1: this is why I like having friends on the pod. Oh. Because, yeah, I mean, no, none of them were available, so I called you. Thanks. But yep. Th- yep. I-, I like having the friends on. I'm because all I- around my heart, it's fine. You have no heart. <laughs> How dare you? But, no, I just like having these conversations where it's just free-flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's discuss for a second... The Eliza Hamilton Act Two arc. Oh yeah, we have the courtship. We got the marriage. They have the baby. Mm-hmm. Philip is bone at the top yep. of Act at the yep, uh, yep. end of Act One. Act Two. Uh, they have two kids at that point, and then I think they're getting a third soon. I don't know. Yeah, they end up having a bunch of kids, right? Like eight. Yeah, eight yeah. kids.
3: They have like. I think they had, like, five or yeah. six. It was that time a where... A bunch you, of them died. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was that time where you had a lot of kids in hopes that half of them
3: survived. You need some extras. Yeah, yeah you, sure. Absolutely. Help around the house and, yeah. you know, pull their weight. Yeah, and, you know, hope they make it past four years old. Yeah, and... There was a lot of cholera going on. good,
1: <laughs> Better than... The only thing worse than lipstick on the collar is lipstick on the cholera... <laughs> Just ask Mary Lennox. Whoops! Oh, wow, the wow. girl she does mean to be. <laughs> oh, poor thing. She needs a place where so she can go. Oh. I. So I talk. I'm bringing this up because of sort of the one part where we get sort of an edge to Eliza, I suppose, mm-hmm. which is the storyline where Hamilton cheats on her mm-hmm. with Mariah Reynolds, causing the first. Political American sex scandal.
3: Yep. Good for you.
1: Good for you, Alexander Hamilton.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: There's a million things you haven't done, but one of them is Mar- not Mariah Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> Mariah Reynolds' yep. vagina. Yeah. And on your birthday, in the butt. Yeah. So <laughs> <Yep>. the <laughs> the song itself is interesting because like he does not Lynn does not write any particular reason for Hamilton to cheat on his wife.
3: Yeah. Basically, he's bored. Yeah.
1: Nothing and, was wrong uh, with their marriage. Working too hard. Yeah. Nothing was wrong with their marriage. He was not frustrated in any way. Yeah. He was simply bored. He's... All, and also, like, the show does not paint Hamilton as a saintly figure. No. Smart as a fucker. Yeah. And... and but
3: good. Good. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, like, he's not the worst person, but he's annoying, and he's egotistical. And part of the reason why he cheats is, you know, his own thinking of himself and the boredom of it all, and just in the weaker state gives into a temptation that he shouldn't Mm -hmm. only to then get blackmailed for it by the husband of the woman he screws. And rather than finish it off and, and, and walk away, he keeps going back. Yeah. And for reasons I can't totally comprehend, but then what happens is his enemies in Congress in the cabinet, I should say. Mm-hmm. Discover payments he's making to John Reynolds. Is that the name yeah. of the man? Yeah. It's John Reynolds. And they're like, what is this? Are you using government funds? Blah, blah, blah. And so he, rather than getting blackmailed by them, admits to them why it is that he is doing this. He's mm-hmm. been paying John Reynolds for cheating on his wife. And once he's told them, he gets so paranoid that it's going to leak. He's like, I have to get ahead of the story, which they usually tell you to do when you're a celebrity. Like, it's PR 101, get ahead of the story. Yes. If something bad's going to come out, you come out with it first and get your side out yeah. immediately. So he does that, but he does it without the consultation of his family. He yeah. it basically just does it, prints it. Uh, Alexander Hamilton had an affair and he put it all down right there. Yep. And then the great line that is so not true anymore never going to be president now because yep. the idea that you could have that kind of scandal
3: and become president was unthinkable. Yep. I mean Gary Hart's whole presidential uh you know ambitions, he was going to be the nominee and just reveal that he was having an affair on a yacht called Monkey Business. He's ended. the one who said like he's the one who's like follow me yeah. You'll, you won't see anything and then they did and they found it exactly I'm like well honey like know thyself yeah um <laughs> to, th- to thine own self be yeah blue uh <laughs> but that's the thing I mean I think part of it is like he and you you see this with with you know certain people like they're just so high on their own supply that they think they're infallible yeah like he absolutely didn't feel justified in having the affair but it's like well why not yeah why so, not why not so does gets fucked for it and then is so convinced in his rightness still mm-hmm. that you know it brings him down entirely yeah. well and the reasoning that he does it with such confidence
1: it's the song hurricane right yeah which is i'll
3: write, I'll write my way out my basically my words can solve anything
1: yeah. cuz he's like i've he's like i've yet to die like all these times i could have been Mm -hmm. sunk and i haven't what's going to make this any different i'm gonna i'm gonna fight this and i'm gonna come out the other end
3: but those times it was all about him and it didn't that the fact that the fact that the character is not thinking of you know that eliza hasn't had to hasn't had those struggles and survived them
1: yeah which is when the reynolds pamphlet comes out and Angelica comes back from London mm-hmm. for probably the first time in a few years at this point.
0: Yeah.
1: And there used to be a song in this moment called yeah. uh, Congratulations, which they cut and just made it the like two lines she yeah. has, which it's one of those moments where I'm like, you know, economy makes it even better. It's yeah. Because kind of...
3: the I'm not here for you lyric is just like, oh, yep.
1: yep. he comes to grab her hand and she takes it away. I'm not here for you. And everyone does that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she does the satisfied reprise. Yeah
3: uh that
1: well it justifies her choice in the matter in act one of why she gave also like ultimately why she gave hamilton to her sister has nothing to do with her own feelings for hamilton or any doubts she had about him it ultimately was that her sister matters more to her than anything mm-hmm. and him cheating on eliza pisses her off so much in the sense less of like a it, like, it could have been me, and you get up. right. But, and rather, like, do you know what I gave up to give my sister the happiness she deserves? And you went and fucked it up. Mm-hmm. You piece of shit. No
3: one gets what they want.
1: Nope. And which leads us to Eliza's song mm-hmm. Burn.
3: Burn. Burn. Oh, okay. So, gentle sidebar. Mm hmm. Um, i work with christina bianco a bunch if you don't know christina bianco she's a vocal impressionist and a goddamn genius yes yeah, she is um we did uh not long after hamilton came out uh, a broadway diva hamilton which was you know one of the now traditional things for impressionists where you basically do a bunch of people either doing a song or whatever yeah. we did hamilton with i think nine different women uh-huh. uh the schuyler sisters were uh Patty, Adina, and Kristen. Ha! And she did all of them like... Da, da, hi, yeah. like it was yeah. perfect. It was brilliant. Um, and we've done that moment a couple times elsewhere. But we did like a 12-minute a segment that was a lot of the show. Um, and some of them were just so niche that I'm like... She's like, I can only do it in New York because no one else knows what a Susan Egan impression sounds like. Which she does... <laughs> perfectly Uh, perfectly
1: saying that that's new york niche yeah girl that is this room niche Niche.
3: exactly like it's it's a lot um but it was alice ripley singing burn which was i'm watching it burn yeah yeah i'm erasing myself from from the the Need future historians and but i hope that you was so i fell out Absolutely. every time like, i'm like three people get this but i don't give a fuck it's so good
1: i have one line from next to normal that i can do an alice ripley impression for which is the didn't they see this movie didn't they cry didn't they cry because <laughs> mm-hmm. when she would do those eye vowels it just becomes oh, like, like her the yeah. tongue well because like, well, there's was oh. also there's like golden age alice ripley and then yeah. there's the gift is gone alice where all the vowels are fucked up now. Just to get the notes out. Yeah, it's uh, all kind of
3: Swedish.
2: Yeah,
1: but but I also, I mean, I I try to do Golden Age Alice, just the vowel placements, and I I can't totally. But yeah, you try. It's
3: it's, it's yeah. just every time I'm sad, I just watch Meadowlark.
1: Oh her. Yeah. Well, that's when the gift was trying to leave. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, listen, baby, she wants hers. Where was hers? Yeah.
3: Yep. Yep.
2: Yeah.
1: Anyway, Brian bro- Brian and I are at odds about sideshow, but. It did play the Richard Rogers Theater where Hamilton Where is. Hamilton, see? Yep. And, and we're back. Yep. yep. Philippa was singing Burn, and all I could think of was, Lost in the darkness, boat I am floating, and feels like it's flying through space. It's it's a beautiful song, Burn. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. It's great. And it's. there are moments in shows when it's really effective for me, when the entire stage is just totally cluttered and then makes way for a single individual.
3: Mm. When she starts walking forward through Mm -hmm.
1: the pamphlets, it's just, ugh. Yep, and it just ends with his poor wife, and then it goes right into the song. It's like, there are certain people who just get how musicals flow. Mm -hmm. Even, like, the... And we were talking about this with the movie musical shit, but, like, the critical analysis of the structure aside, characters aside, like, all that bullshit aside, which is all very important to tell, like, a good Mm -hmm. story, but just the very nature of, like, physically, chemically knowing when it's time to bring the volume down and when you got to bring it up and when things can, when you are allowed to slow things down for a second. Lin-Manuel Miranda is one of those people who just like inherently gets when the next moment has to come as it is. Uh, I've often said like, if there's one thing I'll give Angelo Weber credit for as a composer is that he absolutely knows like chemically speaking, what the next sound should be. Even if dramatically speaking, it doesn't always make sense. Mm
2: Mm-hmm like yeah.
1: that transition from Angel of Music into Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, dramatically speaking, I'm like how are these two songs in the same score? It's so they're so diametrically opposed, but I can't not hear Christine Angel, Angel. yeah, clap yeah. yeah. And for, for a song also that dramatically has no purpose, it's mm. it's a statement song yeah. where Christine is in a trance. So how the fuck does she know that the Phantom's the one that's kidnapped her? Yes, she doesn't know that he's that the Phantom's even real. As far as she's aware, she's with the Angel of Music. Yeah. Dramatically makes no sense. Everything in Hamilton dramatically makes sense. Yes, Philippa as Uliza. I remember seeing this at the public and thinking it was a really gorgeous song i was very concerned for her with the flames but then Mm -hmm. when you're in a 1400 seat theater and you're no longer five feet away from philip su you just enjoy the
3: song yep 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 not scared of her setting you on fire not one bit yep
1: and it's what i like about it is it's one of those songs where through the specificity of the circumstance you can feel the universal emotion that we all can relate to which is somebody who is so betrayed by someone they love and all of a sudden the things that they loved about that person become like the things that turn them against it like they all you just... <sighs> Have you ever had something happen to you Brian where you look back at everything and you, and you just go huh I used to look at it this way. Now I'm kind of looking at it in this other way. And it's not so cute anymore. Yes. Yes. I yes. figured you've lived life. I have. So, and maybe some of my listeners have that as well. Yeah. But there have are... You,
3: have you experienced that?
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba. Everyone listen to the Torch Song Trilogy episode if you want more information on that. <laughs> I don't give details, but when mom and I discuss bub, that is what we are discussing. Mm-hmm. But there are things that sometimes happen with, with life. Where, whether it's a person or a thing, and whether it's love or trust or what have you, sometimes a a switch goes off. And all the things that brought you joy about it, that brought you happiness, you look back in a totally different lens and it all just becomes nasty. Mm-hmm. And for Eliza, it is Alexander's writing. Mm-hmm. She looks at the letters that he wrote her when they were courting and like the beauty with which he wrote to her. And it was mm-hmm. one of the things that really made her fall for him. And his writing is ultimately what has undone their union because of the pamphlet. Mm-hmm. And she's now viewing it no longer as this beautiful thing, but as this selfish thing. It is how he is showing off, how he is paranoid, how he is just conceited. And in turn, for the first time, it turns her off of him and what he's best at. And it's sort of that thing where it's like, well, you think at the time and she thinks at the time. Like, there's no coming back from this. If mm-hmm. I can't find even beauty in your writing anymore, there's no hope for us. Yeah, which is why she burned. She she talks about the burning yearning, and then she literally burns the letters, and then she metaphorically mm. is telling Hamilton, "I hope that you burn. Mm-hmm. I hope they disintegrate you into pieces." Mm-hmm. And it's at that moment when Philip Asu, Tony nominee Philip Sue, pissed all over the stage, turned to
3: the audience and said, "Eat it, bitch." <laughs> <laughs> I hope that you burn is incredible. It's a like, great just last that line. lyric. is just like, go fuck yourself. Yep. Yep. And go it's, to go to literal hell. Yeah. It is so cutting. It means so much, especially coming from her, mm-hmm. because she's been such a sweet dumpling the whole time,
1: the sweetest and lightest of dumplings. Mm-hmm. So
3: yeah. for her to get to go that hard, yeah. You're like, oh, she means it. Yeah. 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 Yep. There is there is no coming back, um, which is why just the hand grab this, Yeah. Is so <laughs> devastating. Yeah. Um also randomly backtracking, I don't know why. Um in uh uh end of act one. Uh-huh. Uh, um what's the name of the damn song? End of act one. Oh, um nonstop? Know, nonstop. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why every time the narration happens about the Federalist Papers and he gets to Hamilton wrote the other fifty one. I start crying and I don't know why.
1: Hamilton wrote the, the other, other 51.
3: 51. Like I'm, I just I'm like right now talking about it, I am starting to tear up. Yeah. I don't know why. It's just chemical. Yeah. Part of it is
1: also how it builds. Yeah. Um Musically, it gets to that moment. There's sometimes that it just happens in shows yeah. where it's like for no particular reason. It's like, mm-hmm. it gives you the kind of chills where you can not explain it. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I, I mentioned this in my Kimberly review as well. Like, The best kind of musicals, when they really work, Mm -hmm. they give you a sense of jubilation and catharsis, but then also nonstop questions and answers Mm -hmm. where you keep asking yourself, like, why did I feel this way? I know I felt this way, but why did I feel this way at this moment? Like, it's Mm -hmm. just so much to talk about. And not many musicals do it. Definitely not that many musicals these days. No, Uh, Hamilton definitely brings that into the play and is probably the most it's so crazy to say commercial because i remember at the time when it came out it it's... sounds insane yeah so the, some of the best musicals when you write them on paper in like one sentence like what th- what you're pitching it you're like the fuck are you talking about yeah. a rock musical about jesus christ's last few days oh and by the way he comes across as a jaded millennial yeah what and judas is weirdly not that bad and Dan- then... dancers are
3: talking about dancing
1: yeah some ginger orphan gets adopted by a one percenter
3: yeah well hey yeah nice work if you can get it the plan
0: was to write a total of 25 essays the work divided evenly among the three men in the end they wrote 85 essays in the span of six months john jay got sick after writing five james madison wrote 29 hamilton wrote the other 51 Ride like you're running out of time right day and night like you're running out of time every day you fight like you're running out of time like you're running out of time oh you running out of time how do you write like
2: tomorrow
3: what are other moments in the show that how give you chills um hmm I think uh there is like that absolute because because of how built up it is like his first entrance hmm what's your name man alexander hamilton stops the show called like totes yeah um especially when it's lynn doing it um yeah forgiveness kills me um there's uh what what's the other there are there are like there are a couple other like chills moments room where it happens yeah um as it continues to build yeah. Um, after the, I, I want to be in the room. Like, yeah. that slow build, I, 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 as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it just destroys me. It's so fucking good. Um, yeah. What are your chills moments? Quite a few. I,
1: so I really, I do love it when a musical takes me by surprise. Mm-hmm. And Hamilton and Book of Mormon, actually, oh. take me by surprise in the same part of their Act 1 finale. Okay. Which is when... I'll never. I will never forget watching Book of Mormon in standing room right after it won the Tony, and then same thing with Hamilton in the public when they got to the point in the Act One finale where I went, "Is this a mashup?" Mm-hmm. When they start bringing songs back in, so yeah. when Man Up is happening, and then all of a sudden Nikki and James calms in and goes, "Salsa Lake City," I started to cry because I knew, <laughs> I knew what they were doing. I was like, "We're about to get all of Act One in the next." 90 seconds uh-huh. and it's and like it's to my surprise it's fit so well and then hamilton was the same thing not a cry situation but mm-hmm. when he started to do the look around look, look around. around and then yeah. helpless he will never be satisfied the history has its eye and it all just fucking mm-hmm. combines yeah and was like renee and are blending together like uh, up perfection. to up to the shoulder for me you know mm-hmm. and but and then goes into not throwing away my shot and i was like well we just have an absolutely stellar act one finale here brilliant it's it is the mold – it is the house that Les Mis built. hmm Yep. It is the house that Book of Mormon furnished. Yep. And it is the house that Hamilton flipped. Yep. <laughs> How dare. Well, I'm trying to think of, like, Act One finales that did that before Les Mis. I'm sure there's got to be something. Sure. Where you, like – where you blend in a couple of songs together yeah. from the show? Or, like, or at least melodies from the show? Yeah. Uh, I know Les Mis is, like, the, is the most famous example – but maybe before Les Mis, it wasn't as common to have multiple, maybe like two.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm like, uh, just because we've been talking about it, you know, Phantom, just that last, you know, <laughs> the, I gave you my music. So, you know, you're getting a, an I'll ask you your place and then you will over the day you did not do. So you're yeah, getting yeah. like a music of the night and then you get the, the theme. Yeah. The yeah. like, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that kind of does. Similar things, but not that incredibly mash up y. Yeah. Um, Those are the three that I
1: really can think of where they found, they take melodies from the first act Yeah, and they just blend it together. pile them all yeah. on top of each other. The difference between Les Mis and Book of Mormon and Hamilton is that they're using the actual songs and they're yeah. using the actual lyrics
3: to. Come back, like, to really reprise them instead of like these are the light motifs of these. Characters. Exactly, as opposed yeah. the *Les Mis*,
1: which is like, well, we're taking *Who Am I*, *I Dreamed a Dream to Dream*, yeah. uh, *Master of the House*, and yeah. *Javert's* theme, yeah. and blending it all together. Yep,
3: yep, yep. Um, ooh, another one. I don't know why this also makes me cry. The um, uh, uh, the farewell address.
1: Oh, uh, one last time.
3: Yeah, yeah. Like as as Hamilton is speaking it and Washington starts singing it and sure. Chris is kind of like starts to layer in his insane vocal gifts, which you never think of with Chris Jackson, but yeah. like he starts singing his ass off all of a sudden. Yeah. It's so it comes out of the speech so beautifully.
1: There was a staging moment at the public that they cut for Broadway and it annoyed me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So King George is like, per, is Maybe the best princess track Broadway has had since Fontaine. Oh God, yeah. Since Fontaine, yeah. And the original name is when she yes. only came back as a bullet boy. Yeah. Uh, Sally Murphy also, by the way, has a great princess track in Downstate. Bookends that show like nobody's business. Oh, great. But no, has his has his first two. You'll be back's this his main one, and then mm-hmm. the reprise after Battle of Yorktown. Yeah. And then in Act Two. When Washington decides, you know, he's going to be done and King George does his reprise of who's coming next. John yeah. Adams. Yeah. The way that it was staged at the public was uh, Chris Jackson went up the stairs. That was like one stairs in the center of the turntable mm. makes his final pose. And when he was over, the turntable turned and behind the staircase was King George sitting down. And he was like, oh, what? What? Yeah. yeah. oh, that's and, uh, cute." it was so cute. And it was a nice, like, little surprising reveal
2: because
1: mm. it had been a minute since we last saw him. So we weren't really expecting it. And then on Broadway, they cut it and had him just enter the stage. And I thought it was less fun. Yeah. And I'm not sure why they did it unless it was That's just it. about getting the this, this staircase off more quickly. That's interesting. Yeah.
3: Um, I did get sent a bootleg uh, of the uh, You'll Be Back reprise from the day after um, Liz Truss resigned. Uh, uh, are they just gonna keep changing whoever's in charge <laughs> and, uh, then who's next and the audience from the london production um and the audience loses their mind oh they're bet. screaming with laughter i love like, that like yep pretty much
1: yeah pretty much i love it when audiences have those kind of reactions yeah uh have you you've listened to the soundboard of opening night of evita yes we've talked yes, about this yeah yeah, yeah. there are there are conflicting reports as to why the audience goes so ballistic when Patty growls "So Lauren Bacall me." Yeah. Some say it's because Bacall was in the audience. Uh-huh. Some say no, it's because Patty was just that good. And some go, "No, we had just never seen such a raging cunt in a musical before, and we were <laughs> living for it." Yep. Like she.
3: Some say. <laughs> uh,
1: so uh, I I just like those reports though. But you when you listen to that soundboard and when she says "So Lauren Bacall me,"
3: eighteen hundred people lose their shit. Yeah. And it, it does feel kind of like that moment in And I'm Telling You mm-hmm. after No, I will. And, and I am telling you, I'm. And the audience yeah. just can't hold it back anymore. Yep. They've just been like, ah, the entire time. And yep. it's just like, fuck it. We are yep. losing our minds.
1: Oh, yeah. Same uh, on that last And you, And you. Like they yeah. they lose it. It just won't yeah. stop you. You can't stop.
3: You cannot physically stop.
0: You'll be back like before. I will fight the fight and win the war for your love, for your praise, and I'll love you till my dying days. When you're gone, I'll go mad. So
1: uh, yeah. what was I was wondering, like, any songs we haven't, we haven't really talked about You'll Be Back, which is the only song you and I could do if we were, if we were cast in Hamilton.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, You'll Be Back, brilliant in that, like, it took me a minute to get the, uh, uh, when you're gone, I'll go mad. Yep. I'm like, oh, that's good. Yeah. Again, that's another like pat yourself on the back moment. Absolutely. Like get his in- impending Cause, schizophrenia cause, yep. in there. Sure. And if you,
1: yeah. Cause if you read Hamilton's revolution, you know, whenever we get to the lyrics, Lynn has these footnotes mm. and on the, when you're gone, I'll go mad. And his footnote for that is, and he did.
3: Yep. Yep. Yeah. They wrote a play about it, the Madness yeah. of George III, which yeah. was made into the movie Madness The of Madness King of King George. George, King George yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. I, I remember coaching th- that song relatively soon after the show came out. I'm like, can you just play the entire thing like it's is it the start of a schizophrenic break? <laughs> just mm-hmm. kind of like, because I think it do, it is played a, normally a, like a little too straight. I think the yeah. everybody should be threatening as fuck.
1: I think the best King Georges should. Watch a couple of clips of Christian Bale and American Psycho.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. N-
1: and not even when he's fully raging mm-hmm. in the scenes where he's trying to conceal the fact that yeah. he wants to murder. Yeah. Um Brian's Brian D'Arcy James King George. I don't recall it being that threatening. It was more that he was just so stuffy. Yeah. So again, and that's it, funny. Yeah. yeah. It, again, it, it was the contrast of just like you had everyone be like, "It's the hip show, man. It's Hamilton, man." And then you had Brian D'Arcy James being like, "King George, the like,
3: hello, fellow kids." Yeah.
1: How do you do, fellow kids? Well, um, were are you? Were you a Thirty Rock boy? No. Okay. Oh, I don't. I know. I'm terrible. Well, no, I just, I first of all, I don't know whoever watches any. anymore like what what are anyone's shows but they did like a joke of one of tracy morgan's movies was like a big mama's house kind of thing Mm -hmm. and they had a character based off of alec baldwin uh who in in the movie who's, like, very stodgy old man that the actual Alec Baldwin plays in the, like, clips that you see. But he's, like, wearing a, a bald cap, and he's, like, powdered white. And he's like, I'm going to shut down your house and close all the orphanages in America. And like, <laughs> that. And it was very – it was a very – and while, while Tracy Morgan's like, how dare you? You're so evil. And I'm going I'm to slap you with my boobies. And it felt with Brian Darcy James, it was a little bit of that, where, like, Renee. Leslie is like I'm gonna rap, and you know Javier and Chris are singing their asses off, like in a poppy way, and Leslie Odom mm. Jr. is like I'm in one with the earth, and <laughs> and then you had just Brian D'Arcy James who was like music, who was like acting, musical, musical theater, yep.
3: yes, yep, yep.
1: How now Dow Jones? And <laughs> that was funny. Jonathan played in much more psychotic, which yeah. I thought was good because his voice blended in so well with everybody else's yeah. at the very least we had his acting where like he you he's like oh, he's i'm fucking yeah, nuts yeah he's like i'm not moving but just know my entire all my skin is
3: vibrating right now mm-hmm. yeah also i do love the cameo in uh reynolds pamphlet oh yeah when he's yeah dancing up storm yeah
1: yeah it's fun it's fun it's a good it's a good role for a gay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and the wig although i mean that that opening outfit's got a fucking hell
3: oh exactly i mean the fact that you know you're walking on stage you're singing for three minutes and uh you're not moving and no. you are sweating that hard mm-hmm. jesus uh, well especially so, yeah jonathan
1: groff who could sweat in a bathing suit in antarctica just like to wear
3: and i would watch it
1: sure yeah we love us we love a sexy otter but
3: he's not an otter well maybe not anymore
1: Well, not uh, a seal yeah, yeah,
3: yes, yeah, like a seal. A hairless. Yeah, yeah, otter vibes, but you know, hairless.
1: Well, I guess otters are technically skinny but have hair, right?
3: There's yes, a,
1: yes, yeah. Um, seals are hairless, slightly thicker than a mm-hmm. than a twink. Yeah, yeah. So he's a seal. I yeah. think they discussed this on looking. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah probably.
1: Yeah, Good of what me. his, yeah, what his, of what his, tribe is. Oh, uh, but yeah, it, it's 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 such a heavy costume for sure, and I, I remember he was on I think it was Colbert back when you know the show was just so huge that all everyone in the cast got to do interviews yeah. Philippa sue got to go on Colbert and yeah. I think like uh I think Jasmine went on fucking like the view or yeah. something it was
3: crazy Emmy award winner jasmine Jones I she, she, she thought she just won an Emmy four. Whatever she was on some random ass show that was on like Quibi or something. It was like the only thing that ever happened on Quibi. Oh my god, I know.
1: How dare you get an Emmy for Quibi? Uh, But
3: (laughs) I could be making this up. I think it was Quibi.
1: I remember Jay Groff talked about how he based his walk off of Beyonce. Oh yeah, and then I think she came to see the show, and he told her, "Oh, I based your walk off uh, your walk off of this, or my my walk off of you," and she's like, "Oh yeah, I see it."
3: Yep. (laughs) She won a Primetime Emmy for Free Rishon.
1: Oh, who hasn't won
3: a Primetime yeah. Emmy? Yep. Yep. Good for her. Yeah. Look, guys, that, that was a
1: joke. Primetime Emmys are the big ones. Those are the ones you actually do want. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want a Creative Arts Emmy. No. Those you do not count. Is that a Daytime Emmy? So? It still counts.
3: Girl, gotta eat. Uh, yeah. P.S. Mariah Carey is now investing in something like it hot because she wants an EGOT. Well, she's going to have to try again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but, by all, but I have
1: absolutely zero beliefs that that show will win the tony for best musical nominated not win
3: i oh definitely nominated. it's it's delightful i mean it's really wonderful yeah um, but you
1: have to ask yourself like is it gonna win
3: that's the thing is it gonna beat kimberly like, or do they like does kimberly get like book and score yeah is it a year and down year yeah
1: i think everyone keeps talking about, like well, will kimberly last through june yes and, yes well so, there is absolutely no way that that production team those producers not with Dave it's David Stone right it's David Stone there's no way that they put this show up thinking it was going to be a hit out the gate they knew that this had to be word of mouth yeah. that it was going to be an uphill battle yeah um and it's so far been paying off they started small and every week the grosses have gotten better yeah. they had their best grossing week since we've recorded this uh the review you could not buy better reviews no nope. they just have to keep new york audiences engaged through the winter yeah and i think they can uh it's there's there's going to be no better musical than kimberly this year i've seen m- most of them i still need to see some like hot in a week and k-pop uh i highly doubt k-pop's gonna change my mind and i would buy you a house if you were to convince me that beautiful noise would change my mind
3: oh that that would be better than that kimberly. it's gonna be better than kimberly and yeah. kimbo yeah i'm homeless then you
1: are absolutely homeless homeless
3: I do, I do, I do, I do. homeless i need a roof
1: yeah uh trying to think what else we can talk about well oh so i mean we didn't i never really went fully into like i guess like the rest yeah, of the gestation of my notes it doesn't matter yeah. all that much it, it, so much of this can be found i talked about the american songbook it talked about how they did that reading with the script. They did another reading of the entire yeah, I first would, act. I would
3: wonder what it would be with like a Paul Rudnick book. <laughs>
1: I want to know who that playwright
3: was. Who exactly. they hired? Yeah, fascinated. I'm,
1: yeah, I. It, part of me thinks like it would have been like a Terrence McNally or something because of the ragtime of it all. Yeah, could be. And it was it was like 2012 2013, so he was still very much writing.
3: Yeah. Huh. I. Yeah. We need to figure out who the hell this was.
1: Yeah. Let's ask around. Listeners, Colin, do you know who the playwright was that got fired from Hamilton? Because Lin-Manuel Miranda said, I'm going to have all the credit. Yep. Yep. All that's, the cash. That's exactly what happened. People also talk about, like, you know, sometimes it's not about how quickly you write something. It took Lin seven years to write Hamilton. I'm like, it took Lin seven years on and off to write Hamilton. Yeah.
3: He was doing other things.
1: Yeah. He, like, he spent the first year writing two songs and then, like, basically stopped for a year. Got back to writing stops. Because he was, yeah, he was in house. He did Merrily We Roll Along. He contributed to the Bring It On score. Like, he mm-hmm. was doing, he did the Spanish The story. West Side story yeah. yeah. He was busy. He was yeah. doing a lot of stuff. So, it was like, it was something that was on the back burner for about three years. Yeah. And he had written enough material by that point to do concerts. Mm-hmm. But then it was the next three years where he actually like wrote, wrote, wrote the it. damn show. Yes. And they had about a year and a half between their last reading slash workshop and performing at the public that January of 2015 mm. and that was when Lynn wrote like basically the majority of act two yeah um yeah and apparently they, they they staged it they basically had to stage the entire show at the public without any idea if the turntables would work right because usually when you have a show with a turntable, especially now, they incorporate it into the rehearsal room. Yeah, because, you're
3: staging it in the space.
1: Yeah. Uh, they'll, like, create a, an, a rehearsal deck for you so you can mm-hmm. work with the automation of that. Because it's, first of all, it's a safety concern, but also you want to make sure that your staging works. It, it actually will save you time in tech. Yeah. And basically, because at The Public, it's off-Broadway, you don't have that much tech time, and they don't have the money to put you in a rehearsal room at the turntable. They're, like, they're in, like, Luster Hall or whatever. Yeah, They have, like a couple of days to do the turntable and just pray that it worked. Yeah. And of course, you know, in the book, they're like, and wouldn't you know what? It, it all worked and all was brilliant and all beautiful. Uh, one of the only major things they cut scenic wise with the show was the koi pond at the end of the show. Yeah. It, 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 they had like one performance where the center part of the turntable slid open and there was a little pond
3: inside. And, and sl- that's where the gas came from. Cause you know, she would jump into the koi pond. It's like, it was cold.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, the gasp! I thought or, you said the gasp. The That's gasp. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly he wasn't racist anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> God. Um. We never. Uh, we got distracted. We didn't talk about the royalty thing, which I think is oh, fascinating. It is
1: very fascinating. Um. So when Hamilton opened about on Broadway about. Three weeks into the run, I want to say. It was still August when this got broached. It was October when it kind of came to a head. Mm -hmm. The company of Hamilton came together and said very bluntly, we love this show. We're grateful to be a part of it. But we are a part of it. And we helped make this show. And we think we should be compensated for our contributions, which brought up a debate in the theater community of what it exactly it is that actors contribute to the process of creating a show in a workshop and then in rehearsals for the final production mm-hmm. what, would you like to t- take the torch for the next stage
3: of this well um basically they saw how much money was going to be made off of you know contributions they made and they're like give us yeah. Money, Guinea. please. Guinea. We, we like money. Mm-hmm. We also would not, like to not, you know, do this show for the rest of our lives mm-hmm. and, you know, basically not see anything other than for it, other than the time that we're physically on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, So I don't. Did the terms ever get released? Yes. OK.
1: The so it started, I believe, with 22 members of the Broadway company. Yeah. They it did not originally include Jonathan Groff. And I think it, there was one other actor I didn't include, yeah. and it didn't include any of the original crew members that came with the show from the public to Broadway. Right. Eventually, it did. It went from twenty-two to thirty-one. Okay. And it was that they collectively shared one percent of the net profit. Ah. The net profit for those of you who don't there's net and there's gross. Gross is what, and you know if you follow Broadway grosses, let's say, you know you, you see how much money a show has taken in that week. That is not how much money the show made. So when people are like, oh, look at that. Wicked made $1.7 million this week. It's like, no, 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 no. That's how much they grossed Wicked made $800,000 this week because they have a high running cost and, mm-hmm. and high running. People also have a really shitty concept of what makes something have a lower high running cost. They go, yeah. oh, it's got one set and four actors. I'm like, yes, but there were 12 writers. Yeah. um, Something that, I talk about all the time with Moulin Rouge, like why that show has an over million dollar running cost is all the royalties they owe to all the songwriters and yep. artists. Same thing with, uh, and Juliet, which no one really realizes that yes, it is the Max Martin catalog. He had a dozen or so lyric Co-writers. writers, Co-writers, yeah. producers, the artists who covered the damn thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately one of them, of the, uh, collaborators is Dr. Luke. So yeah. by seeing the show, you are contributing to his bank account, just letting you know, I did see the show for free, so I did not do that, but just letting you know for a show that's all about female power, not the best person to put money in the pocket of. Just saying, everybody. So with this, the cast got 1% of the net profit, so that is the money made after uh, the running cost. So mm-hmm. when Hamilton was grossing like $1.9 million and the show was costing- Three.
3: Yeah, there were there were weeks where it broke $3 million.
1: Well, that came later. Yeah, yeah, uh, The first like six months from, not even for like the first 4 months let's say like from from yeah. August through November yeah we're like bumping up close to 2 yeah then we get to New Year's and we're we're definitely hitting the 2 and then I think for the rest of 2016 it was like very comfortably over the 2 million dollar mark and then a handful of times after that it was like just very much above 3 and we'll, yeah. we can talk about that as well with the with the uh premium pricing cuz we haven't even talked about ham for ham yeah. cuz that's all that's all interconnected and part yeah. of me going bullshit but the cast would get one collectively 1% of that net profit, and whatever it, that net profit was,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is important. Uh, and then they would get a slightly lower percentage of any future American productions, not including revivals on Broadway or, or across the country. So right. basically, any national or sit down production mm-hmm. replicating the Broadway production. Yeah. I don't think that included West End or Mm -hmm. australia many terms are different i have friends who've been in broadway shows that were in workshops that went to broadway and like for example with frozen uh i believe it was no one in the broadway company of frozen alone got a percentage point Mm -hmm. you had to have done at least the workshop as well yes and how much you got was determined if you if you did the workshop and broadway if you did the reading the workshop and broadway and so and then after that it was it was broadway and the first three english english uh, english speaking productions of frozen okay so that could be national tour sit west down end. west end yeah yeah but then after that you're yeah. done yeah. so like japan sorry about it right. germany sorry
3: about it and once broadway closed yeah it's...
1: exactly but it is still playing in, London. Still running in west end yeah. and it, the national tour i think is still going no, it is still going. I know that. For, I actually know oh. that for a fact. I I know that for a fact. But yeah, that is what those what the terms were mm. for Hamilton, and it's interesting to connect it to Chorus Line because the Chorus Line actors did not get as good a deal.
3: Yeah, and those were their actual yeah.
1: stories. I, yes, I would argue that the company of a Chorus Line actually made that show. Right, but the conversation then goes to what it is that, you know, actors bring to a piece by mm-hmm. interpreting it, by offering their own creative input. And, you know, we tell stories like, oh, Skylar Sisters was different. And then Lynn heard the three mm-hmm. actresses warming up, and that inspired him to write this. And, you know, they did not – Philippa Sue, Renee, Elise Goldsberry, and Jasmine – Yeah. Did not write the riffs in Skylar Sisters. No. They did not tell Lynn, we can do this, put it in the show. Mm-hmm. But the very fact that they could – like it. That is something that would not exist if it weren't for them. Right. Just their abilities and what they brought to the process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a line delivery changes how a whole scene plays out, and or sometimes a simple note from an actor can do whatever. I'm currently listening to the Office Ladies podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with it. No. It's Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey from The Office. Okay. As they're doing a deep dive rewatch of the whole thing. And they always talk about with the writing process of the show, Greg Daniels, who created it, his motto was like, best idea wins. Yeah. And it doesn't matter who it comes from. And on that show, there was no ego about who it came from. And no one wanted monetary credit. It was just about everyone loved doing the show and wanted it to be the best thing. And everyone felt heard so everyone just said whatever and now with hamilton while actors are getting more compensation for things that they were maybe being taken for granted for earlier now so much of the artistic process has come down to well where's my compensation yeah and so it's less about trying to create something special and something good and more about well if i'm gonna move that chair i need compensation if you if i'm gonna talk to you about my character i need compensation and it's like, yes, you know, your time is valuable as an artist and you wanna you don't wanna be taken advantage of. But also if the best idea wins, what does it matter if you're not being compensated for your riff if stagehand number four came up with a better idea?
3: Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I mean I, I wonder what that if that is gonna change how a lot of how rehearsal rooms work, especially mm-hmm. in workshops. Um but yeah, I mean part of it is if there's that much money being made, yeah and pay. Yeah. You know. Well and
1: originally the production tried to pay them all a lump sum. Exactly. And you know, the lump sum was anywhere between like thirty and ninety
3: million dollars 90000 dollars. Yeah.
1: Which is seems like a lot of money. Yeah. It, and it is. But and, and there, there are articles all about this, and it leaks out a lot of the emails that the cast was exchanging. And, mm-hmm. you know, Lynn basically had to stay out of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, definitely supported his company, but also was one of those times where he had to recognize he was part of production. He yeah. was who they were not fighting against, but, like, imploring to. Yeah. And, and it would
3: be coming out of, his, out of his money.
1: Yeah. And there was so much money being made off of Hamilton that it was like, at some point, it's like, how much is enough? for you before you can start spreading the wealth with the people who helps make this happen. Yeah. Like, do you really need 300K that week Mm -hmm. from just the Broadway production alone? Yeah, exactly. Which is something I'm sure he could have made because the amount of money that show was grossing was
3: stupid. Yeah. Still is stupid, in my opinion. I mean, if Lin had just, like, the typical 6% author royalty, then he's making an insane amount of money. The, The original
1: company of Hamilton... Was making when when the when they settled the royalty the one percent, mm-hmm. they each were making about nineteen hundred a week extra just from that collective one percent in the first year of the Broadway run. Yeah, before the show was grossing an average of like two point eight to three point five million, like it was still like the one point seven range, and there was no national tour and there was no Chicago sit down. Yeah. So now they're all probably making still like a solid 5k a week and they're not in the show anymore. Yeah. That's fucking like that is
3: some people's, you know, 3 months of rent money yeah. in a week. Yeah. Yeah. And they're literally watching Netflix while it happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We're so what a brave soul Leslie M. Ju- Leslie Odom Jr. is for pioneering this <laughs> as he gets his Apple TV Central Park money. Yeah. As he gets his Murder on the Orient Express money. No, it's not that much money.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's He's fine. doing fine. He's doing just okay. I am not okay concerned so for Leslie Odom Jr.'s pocketbook.
1: No, nor am I. I mean, Smash really set him on the on the right course, don't you think? I mean, it set all of them on the right course.
3: Except for Catherine McPhee. Who lives? Who dies? Who tells your story?
2: Every other Founding Father story gets told. Every other Founding Father gets to grow old.
0: When you're gone, who remembers your name? Who keeps your flame? Who, who tells, tells your, story? your story? Who
2: tells your story? Eliza. I put myself back in the narrative. Eliza.
1: Final songs we want to discuss, moments we want to discuss, Hamilton discuss. We talked about the royalties. We talked about Disney+. Plus. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Ham for Ham. Quick Ham for Ham. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, lottery's obviously been a thing. Russia's yeah. been a thing for a long time. Hamilton, first show, and probably at this point only show, to do performances for the lottery. Really? For the lottery.
3: Yeah. Like cast performances. Yeah. And, and also Patti LuPone.
1: Yes. Well, it, well so it be, that's the thing, is it, it became this whole thing. So, it started in earnest of Lin claiming that he felt bad that everybody, everybody who would show for the lottery wouldn't get to see the show. Mm-hmm. So he's like, well, what if we give them a little piece of the show? Mm-hmm. So I believe it started with, like, moments from Hamilton. Yeah. Um, you know, songs that were cut. Uh, and, they, and there's a great one where they, do, where they do the whole Ten Dual Commandments with the stage manager calling all the cues.
3: Oh, I didn't see that one.
1: Yeah, because it's apparently – that is the song that has the most cues of any song uh-huh. in the show. So it's you hear him doing all the cues while they're doing it acapella – on the sidewalk. That's amazing. It's so amazing. And, it like, the thing fucking lit up, like, a spark plug or whatever. I don't know what the things are. But it drew, like, huge amount of crowds to the point where, like, they had to – they started, like, having to shut down 46th Street because yeah. there was, like, thousands of people entering and also wanting to see what the next Ham for Ham was because then it also grew into not just ca- – because then it was f- – First it was pieces from the show. Then it was cast members doing other songs in general. Mm. And then it became Paddy Lapone's gonna sing Give My Regards to Broadway. Yeah. Kelly O'Hara is gonna sing an is gonna sing an Aria. The sisters from Fiddler are gonna sing a Lynn Manuel Miranda parody to Matchmaker. Mm-hmm. And it became sort of like, Well, who's here tonight? Yeah. And it got so bad that they had to then put it online. They would and they would sometimes do performances on Ham for mm. Ham online. My one of my personal favorites is uh Pippa was the la- was the first of the Skylar sisters to leave, oh, so yeah. Groff was the first principal to leave. I can't speak for all of the ensemble members, yeah. but after Groff, Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr. and Pippa were the next to leave, and they le- they left like three weeks
3: after the Tonys. Yeah, and then it was pretty
1: quick after that.
3: Well, wait, no, wasn't uh, wasn't Mandy one of the first ones in? Mandy? Yeah. Renee left pretty soon after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, and, there was, like, this really, like, lovely handoff video.
1: If Pippa left in July – I call her Pippa like I know her. But if Pippa left in July, I want to say Renee left in September. Yeah, could So be. did it for, like, 13 months, and then Mandy yeah. came in, and then Mandy did it forever. Yeah. But
3: – Yeah, she just finished. Yeah.
1: Montego did it for a while, too, did she not? On Broadway? Yeah.
3: I could have sworn she did.
1: K.O. did it in Chicago, which – that was sort of the show that brought K.O. back from – Yeah. Retirement. And
3: she – I saw I saw Karen do it before I saw Mandy do it, mm-hmm. um, but she was the first one to do uh, the written riff.
1: The you always? Which yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, and so the par- and
3: the, you provide, you always? Yeah. And the yeah. there
1: there is a melody in that song that actually comes from a piece that uh, Ko was working on with Lin Manuel Miranda. Wow they had written a couple of lyrics and Lynn had written some music. And then when he was writing satisfied, his mind clicked on mm. that song and he texted KO is like, can I use this music? And they went, yeah, dude, it's your, it's your music. Like, yeah, because the project was dead by that yeah. point. And they're like, yeah, just take it. But so it's fitting that they, like, d- they did in Chicago, yeah. but also, you know, brings KO back from retirement, which lasts very shortly. Yeah. 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 And something else will take them out of retirement again. Yep. Seems like they're coming back again. Yep. Uh, But yeah, the, the thing about the Ham for Ham that pisses me off. hmm And something that I always want to remind people of. Wh- so the Ham for Ham, it's $10. It's a Hamilton dollar bill mm-hmm. for a Ham- ticket to Hamilton. And it's the first two rows of the orchestra. Yeah. or Originally, it was it was, the first f- it was the first row. Yeah. It was the first row of the orchestra. Now I think it's the first two rows. Okay. Or, yeah, because they added – it was 21 seats, and then I think they bumped it up to 40. Okay. Maybe 30. And when they did that, they upped the price of the premium seats from, like, $450 to $850. Yeah. And I remember Lynn making a statement saying, in order for us to increase the number of ham-for-ham tickets, we have to do this for the premium seats which is not true. No. It was simply the market. It was them also trying to combat StubHub.
3: Mhm.
1: Which was making hand over fist reselling Hamilton tickets. Oh, absolutely. My to the point that my sister who makes so much money <laughs> she makes so much money. My bitch sister who I love very dearly asked me when Hamilton was on Broadway, the very first year, mm-hmm. and she said, do we want to get in on this? And she's like, if I, she's like, if you buy the tickets, just buy them and I will reimburse you. And then we resell them and we split the profits. How does that sound? And I said, well, not sustainable. Mm-hmm. And also I was like, they're all, for, at the moment she asked, I was like, there are there literally no seats to buy to then yeah. resell at that moment. Yeah. She's so like, so you, we'd have to wait five yeah. months till the next blocks come out, mm-hmm. comes out, but Maybe, but also it's not great. Yeah. But for my own sister to say that, who I cannot stress enough, makes so much money, <laughs> Makes so much, for her to be like, could we get in on this? Could I maybe quit yeah. my job and do this? Yeah. So it was them trying to combat StubHub by doing that, and also just the fact that they could. That yeah. was the that's the yeah. that's the problem. Why with not? The, that they was can. that that's the problem with the free market. Mm-hmm. Again, one of those things that we talk about with Hamilton and his legacy of, like, yes, he did so much and about building good for this country, but so much of it has kind of led to other pains for Americans in this country. And, yes, okay, 10 more people can see Hamilton now for $10 or 15 more people. But the problem with the lottery is it doesn't – similar to life, as Aaron Burr says, Mm -hmm. lotteries don't discriminate – between yeah. the rich and the poor. Yeah. So like my again, my sister, my cousins, who are, you know, doctors and lawyers, all can enter the Hamilton lottery. Yeah. Even though they make so much more money than I do or other people. Mm-hmm. So who's to say that the people are paying ten dollars for Hamilton couldn't afford. Couldn't afford the, the premium. premium. Yeah. Yeah. They're just trying to not. Yeah. And so it's 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 a very weird situation, one that I don't love, and I don't think the premium seats are that high anymore. If you look at their grosses, they haven't yeah. hit close to three million in a long time since COVID. Yeah, which I'm all for. Because the other thing I want everyone to remember is Hamilton is expensive to run. You know, it has a lot of royalties going for all the people that mm-hmm. Lynn wanted to be a good guy and pay for. I'm sure that creative team has amazing contracts that gives them. Yep. Percentages. Lynn's dad has a percentage. Ron Chernow has a percentage. Mm-hmm. In addition to, like, all the understudies and whatnot, like, and then the original cast with their royalties, although that's just pure net. That doesn't come out of the running cost. Yeah. But it's got a high running cost. It does not have a $2.5 million running no. cost. They do not need $3 million to break even. No. Nowhere near. Nowhere near. Um, They're just simply, they are making the money that they know they yeah. can.
3: I did get my first kind of uh, email from... Like, I'm on the mailing list. Uh, it was like, hey, you want to come in January? We got $99 seats. Anyone want to come to Hamilton? Uh, I was like, oh, okay, girl. Um, that's starting to happen. Yeah. It, it took, you know, seven years. Yeah. But...
1: They they are no longer every night is sold out. Right. And part of that is COVID.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But also, like, it's no show.
3: Yeah. Runs at 100% capacity their entire run. No. I mean, they're still... I think they're still officially above 100% capacity. But, like, Lion King is still... They... Hamilton
1: has had a couple of, like, mid to high 90 weeks yeah. this year. Yeah. Uh, I think the last, like, three months, they've been, like, steadily in, like, the 95% range. Which, yeah. again, like, most shows would kill for. They are in no danger whatsoever. No, they've I mean, a, no. They have, A, made so much money already. Yep. They continue to make so much money. They're, they are not going anywhere anytime soon. No.
3: And their average ticket price is still insane.
1: Yeah. But people were, like comparing it now to wick uh to phantom We're like well look what phantom's grossing i'm like Fan- everyone also thinks phantom's going to be gone in two months yeah. which is why everyone's paying through the nose to see it yeah and now oh, oh by the way it's we got 3 no. more months after
3: exactly. that exactly yeah. exactly and phantom ran at you know 60% capacity with an average ticket price of $55 for 30 years yep You know, it hasn't been at sellout in you know decades, literally decades since since the 21st century. Yeah, uh, Phantom
1: basically, if you if you look at the grosses of Phantom from when it opened through the mid 90s, it is it is a miracle that like for eight solid years it was pretty much nonstop sold out. Yeah. Then in the late 90s, they start to do what Hamilton's doing now, where it's like dipping to like the very healthy 95 percenters, Mm -hmm. where it's you know. By no means terrible, but it is no longer like, oh, don't worry. Like, we're sold out for months. Don't yeah, even don't try. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah, it's like, no, if you if you stop by, you might be able to get something. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it won't be great, but you'll get something. And then 9-11 happens,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they struggled for three years. Mm-hmm. Like, they could not recover from it. But they stuck it out because the movie was coming out. Yeah. And then the movie got them back on track for a few years. Mm-hmm. Never again was it, like, every week is a sellout. It was, like, it became all of a sudden major holidays. Yeah. Huge, Valentine's and the, Day, huge, and, yeah. like Saturday nights, yeah, and yeah. then everything else was just down. Mm-hmm. But it had made so much money, and it could rely on those like nine weeks out of the year where it made fucking insane yeah. amounts of money, yeah. But that's where we're at now with Phantom, anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's Hamilton's in no danger. But yeah, the the ham for ham and the ticket pricing that's just something that always pissed me off, and I. You know, Lynn wants to be the good guy, so he doesn't want to go out in public and be like, "Listen, guys, we're charging eight hundred dollars because we, we can." can. Get it. Yeah, we yeah. can get it.
3: I uh, I was being a very, very good son. Um, and when the Chicago sit down opened, um, I snatched up tickets for my parents. I'm from Chicago for Christmas. Um, didn't tell them I was going to be home, and I got them for like the twenty sixth, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, of course, like, that was the full-on, like, panic buying moment. So, uh, everything was crashing. Like, the second the tickets went on sale, it was like, you're in a queue, and everything, like, is, like, dying. So, I was on my phone, I was on my iPad, and I was on my laptop trying to buy tickets at the same time. Um, and everything was crashing, and then suddenly, two different orders went through at the exact same moment. So, I suddenly had six tickets to Hamilton on the 26th of December, and I was like... Oh, oh, I need to ask other people then. I'm like, no I don't no. no I don't. I'm going to sell these and I'm going to pay for the entire thing. Yep. And I, I I think I made a lot of money on those tickets.
1: Not only was did it end did you end up offsetting the cost, you got yeah. a profit out of it. Yeah.
3: I paid for those tickets and then I still made like six hundred bucks. I'm a I'm a nightmare capitalist. Hi I'm Daddy. So, I'm I'm so sorry. Well pretty thing never are- bought them. What do you? Sub-up. What pretty thing are you buying for me with that money? I'm buying you. um No, you already have the Kimberly Akimbo. Uh, if life gives you lemons. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Toad. So go and uh, steal some apples, because who the fuck wants? Who lemons? the fuck wants lemons? I could. I could use a Kimberly s- sweatpant to go with my sweatshirt. I have the Toad. I have the sweatshirt. Do they have sweatpants? I don't know. I didn't check. I'm. I'm. I will check when I go back, because I will be going back. Yeah. Uh, I fully intend to see that show again come January, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else they have.
3: Yeah, I don't know what else they're What, just... what do you want with my Hamilton blood money from yeah. you know 2016 or whenever the fuck that was? I
1: want the world. Uh, the only other thing I can really talk about is sort of like you know we the show has just been everywhere, continues to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. To the point that it's just sort of it's it, referenced in everything. You know, it was referenced on SNL, mm-hmm. uh, Good Place. The Min- number of times you just
3: hear you know the room where it happens. Yep. Now.
1: Oh, yeah. Office ladies, they talk about all the time. Yeah. Every, every time, I'm like, yeah, the writer's room, the room where it happens. I'm like, yeah, we all know Hamilton, yeah, bitches. shut up. Shut mm. up. You have so much money, Angela Kinsey and <laughs> Jenna Fisher. But, yeah, and I mean, the night, the Tony Awards ceremony that year, mm-hmm. everyone knew Hamilton was winning. Yeah. But, like, for this, it it was partly funny, partly kind of annoying for the ceremony itself to be so Hamilton-focused and, like, make light of the fact that everyone knew it was coming. It's mm. so, like the opening sequence was the alexander hamilton song mm. and james corden hosting yeah and with the, with the cast of hamilton after they had done the grammys after they had performed at the white house yeah and they did a ham for ham from the white house but he like he's holding a tony ward and they're all about to grab it. he goes no you just wait you mm-hmm. just wait which was funny but then they close the night out with the skylar sisters and yeah. like it was the hamilton evening yeah winning
3: like 11 out of 12 tonys i think right. something like that, something and like that. that wasn't even like you know the 95 tonys where there was literally one original musical mm-hmm. so it's like yeah we're just gonna do the tonys on the sunset boulevard set sorry yeah we're sorry <laughs> there are no it. options there
1: are no options y'all no they did it at the beacon but they it was it was just the was hamilton fun. evening yeah. yeah um and yeah the hamilton mixtape with all the pop stars and then should I think there's anything else that we haven't really discussed well so hamilton was up against uh bright star shuffle along waitress and school of rock for best musical i think the (laughs) right show won, don't you wow that's just sad it's just sad to hear
3: um are
1: you were you not a shuffle along fan
3: i loved it i thought it was brilliant i did too i and i thought it was absolutely incredible yeah it's it's an interesting lineup school of rock
1: Impressed me. I thought I was going to hate it. I did I not hate never it. I saw it. It was pretty good. I know it wasn't great. It was pretty good. Yeah. Waitress, I think, is a good musical that was given a bad original production. I hated the actual staging and design of it mm-hmm. and the tone of it. But yeah. I was like, I think this material is good. I would like to see it done smaller yeah. and more simply. And then Bright Star is some lovely music and some of the worst lyrics in years. <laughs> Through that baby from a train.
3: Yep. Did not say it.
1: No. Shuffle Along, I thought, should have one choreography, but yeah. that is just me. Mm.
3: Yeah, I mean the choreography was good, but I mean I think the Hamilton choreography is just so integral to the way they tell the story. Yeah. Um yeah, I just felt it was you know, the shuffle along dancing was wonderful. Uh this is a kind of a cooler way of storytelling.
1: If you say through so, dance. Grandpa. Through the dance. Through the Lord of the Dance. Yeah. So, Brian. Yes. We're gonna just wrap this up now then. Matthew uh, we have two games on this show now. Okay. For this series, anyway. Oh, dear. They are the same game. Great. They just have different titles. <laughs> one is called Six Degrees of Sally Murphy. Okay. The other is called Who Lives, Who Dies, Janine Desori. <laughs> great. Now, that one is mm. simply Six Degrees of Janine Desori. Okay, great. And we have to find... A connection to Sally Murphy and Janine Tessori from Hamilton. Okay. We can use any of the original company members okay. and anyone from the production team. Okay. But that is that is it. Um, I can aim for Sally Murphy if you want to aim for Janine Tessori. Oh, sure. Easy. Sure, sure, sure. I have not thought of this yet. Okay. It's, it's been a week, y'all, so I did not pre-think of this. So let me say that... Philip Osue. Well, I mm-hmm. once again the the carousel connection. Philip Osue in into the Woods with Brian Darcy James who did carousel with Sally Murphy. But I keep coming back to that well. I want to challenge myself. Okay. So let's see what else I can do.
3: Okay. Okay. So Janine Tesori. Um okay. Where are we going to go here? Um hmm. I keep trying to think of odd things. Um, and that's not going to be helpful. Mm. Um, oh God, Wow! It's tricky for show. Why am I drawing? Oh, okay, well, Brian Darcy James was in trek.
1: Yes, oh, we're including Brian Darcy James from Hamilton. In, oh, so yeah. you, well, you could do Philip Sui to Brian Darcy James from Into the Woods, because we're talking Broadway opening companies.
3: Oh, we're doing Broadway. Okay, damn it. Okay. Yeah. Sally Yeah, well, somebody else has. Fine, we'll go to, you know, Brian Darcy James to literally anyone else in the cast. Yeah. To Shrek. Um, yeah. To Janine. Um, I think there's a better one, though. I'm sure there is.
1: There's gotta be. Another one I was thinking of is uh, Jonathan Groff mm-hmm. in Spring Awakening. Yes. Directed by Michael Mayer. Oh, okay. Who directed Thoroughly Modern Millie with Mark Kudish, who was in Wild Party with Sally Murphy.
3: Oh, there we go. That's good. I keep trying to get
1: to that three-penny opera she did at The Atlantic, or even Bernarda Alba, but it's tricky. It's tricky. Man of No Importance. I mean, I could also say, you know, oh, Philip Sue bangs Stephen Pasquale on the reg. Stephen Pasquale, Man of No Importance with Sally Murphy, but- yeah. That doesn't really work.
3: That's a stretch. I mean, it, probably is for-
1: So, so, too. so I've been told.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think those are solid ones, those though. Those are good. Yeah, those we'll keep good. those. Okay, cool. Brian, this has been a delight. It's been it's been a wonder. It's been wonderful
3: to watch you eat a waffle.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't a euphemism. I truly ate a waffle with some yeah. Canadian bacon. Yep.
3: And had a beer. Was it Canadian bacon or was it turkey bacon? Turkey bacon. I guess it oh. looked
1: like Canadian bacon for a
3: second. In yeah. My, I was in my more haze. excited if it was going to be Canadian bacon. Sad. 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 Yeah.
1: Where can people find you if you want people to find you?
3: Um, I don't. Um, no, I do. I do. I just don't have like I haven't updated my website since the pandy, um, since the Panera bread. Yeah. Pokeball. Yeah. Since the. Uh, pandemi lovato um so yeah um i'm at brian j nash on all the things except i deleted twitter because fuck that um are you on hive now i uh, i i plead the fifth fair you i'm ha- not i'm not on hive with my main oh with your alt with your with your only fans account maybe with an alt i'm not saying this
1: you don't have love... to say nothing we can cut How, it how's your on. listenership it's solid actually <laughs> great i have a couple of hundred yeah i'm yeah i'm yeah right for for such a low volume episode that's three and a half hours long the rent episode has like almost two thousand listens people love the rent i love the rent yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's 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 a fun show to talk about yeah. uh okay so they can find you with that brian J. Yeah. great yeah.
3: Kind everywhere
1: if you want to find me I'm on Instagram only at Matt Koplik, usual spelling if you like the podcast you can give us five stars you give us a nice little rating there or you can give us a nice little review we love a good review
2: mm-hmm.
1: join us next week when we cover who the fuck knows what because this whole thing is out of order
0: and who determines I determines the order me based off um, of
1: when my guests are available um, and what it they is go. they want to cover Christ. and since we're not doing a career of an artist mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be in chronological order. Yeah. And with Off-Broadway to Broadway Transfers, it's, there isn't enough of an arc that it matters to go in chronological right. order. They all tend to follow the same metrics. Yes, It's more just about how they're received in their times. It's not like the British Invasion where like it became increasingly more about mm-hmm. replicas and marketing it around the world and blah, 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 blah. blah. Uh, Brian, we close out every episode okay. with a Broadway diva. Great. Who would we like to close out today? Would we like to make it Hamilton-themed? Would we like to talk about Miss Bianco, if you're nasty? We could do Pippa. (laughs) We could do...
3: I think it would be fun because there is a good recording of the Broadway diva Hamilton on the YouTubes. If you want want to take Miss Bianco. Sure. uh, Give them a little bit of Skylar Sisters or some such.
1: I could also, I mean, I could just say total fuck you and pull out one of her forbidden Broadway tracks. Yeah, true. I did see her in Forbidden Broadway. She was in the last one before the before they went away yeah. the first time, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cuz I remember her uh she played Chano. Yeah. Although I think they eventually cut it but put it on the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't you know love how much I know about this? I do. It's, I
3: do, and I'm fascinated by your brain.
1: My brain. Oh god, it's I hate my brain. I wish it could know cooler stuff like French. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, So okay, we'll do Bianco. We'll do Miss Bianco. So that's it. Join us next week for who knows what. And until then, guys, have a lovely time. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to me eat a waffle. Yeah, take us away, Miss Bianco. Bye. Bye.
0: Patty the Poem, Adina Menzel, and Kristen God. (laughs) It's <laughs>